Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast of the Cinematropolis.com, your home to thoughtful conversations on film. I'm your host, Caleb Masters, and today we're not the only babes in the city. <laughs> That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to New York, much like Babe Pig in the City goes to New York, because we're reviewing Scream 6. As always, we're going to start with an icebreaker question before we jump into a spoiler-free review and provide a verdict on the film. And then we'll conclude our conversation by having an in-depth spoiler discussion. And as this is a Scream movie, I think, listeners, you can expect it'll be a fairly short spoiler-free section. We will tell you what our general thoughts on the movie are. But really, the, the meat of this conversation is going to take place in the spoiler section. So you have been warned. Again, wait for that spoiler bumper to, to pop up when we get to that section. I'm so excited. Somewhat of a reunion. It seems like we just did a Scream podcast last month. I know it's been 14 months, roughly, but, you know, it seems like last month after not having one for 11 years. And I'm so thrilled to be rejoined by two of our guests from our Scream 5 review. First up, as always, my co-host, award-winning Oklahoma filmmaker, Laurent Chapman. Laurent, welcome back. It feels like this is second Christmas. Like, the fact that I get a Scream movie and the Oscars in the same weekend. It feels like this week was about me. It wasn't for anybody else. So I feel very, very honored to be here. Do you feel targeted by Hollywood? I do. I feel like they're pandering to me. And you know what? It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> there was also a Last of Us finale. It's uh, true. This, same this weekend. Same it was weekend. Literally the nothing went wrong this weekend for me. Oh, best weekend <laughs> in LaRon's life, perhaps, <laughs> other than maybe when he got married. holding on to it holding on to it well the next gentleman here he needs no introduction he is the man who did not get invited to Laron chapman's (laughs) wedding returning to us brock lay the brockness monster of graphic designers brock welcome back to the show sir thank you i am uh so excited the only thing that i am more that makes me more excited than this podcast right here is Laron's uh scream sweatshirt she he is currently wearing Mm. Yeah, don't get any blood on that, Laurent. It's so pretty. Make no promises. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, uh, again, we'll be posting a photo in the show notes for this. But, uh, you know, if you're not, if, if you're just listening, Laurent has a Scream 6 hat and the most incredible Scream sweatshirt I've ever seen in my life. It's just A+. plus. It's hot pink and he's on the phone and it says, no, you hang up. So. <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, this is Scream, and there's a lot of Scream fans out there. And on one hand, I want to talk with my friends who I've known for a long time, and we've shared this uh, bond over Scream for many years. On the other hand, I like to meet new people who I haven't had a chance to talk to, and that is why I am so excited to welcome a first-time guest to the table, Chris Oz McIntosh. He's an Oklahoma filmmaker, and he's director of the short films Stick Up and the upcoming short film Flint. Chris Welcome to the Cinematic Schematic, sir. Dude, thanks for having me. I'm super stoked to be here and talk uh, Scream. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm uh, especially after this movie, uh, which we'll get into this in a second. But um, yeah, this is a, this is a great movie to talk about. I think um, you know it's not just uh, not just your average horror movie to to discuss. So it's a great one to be here for. Awesome. Well, we're excited to have you at the table. LaRon vouches for you, and I've heard nothing but great stuff about uh, your work. So glad to have you at the table. Listeners, before we get into today's review, I didn't want to note, as always, if you're listening to the show today for the first time and you enjoy the conversation, or maybe you're a returning listener who has never left us a rating and a review, the best way you can support us is by subscribing and leaving us a rating and a review on your preferred podcast app. Don't make me ghostface call you demanding a review or asking you what your favorite podcast is. 
A couple of housekeep items of housekeeping I'm going to talk about today. Laurent, we have done a bad job, in my opinion. This is 100% a Caleb problem. We haven't always followed up on our Oscars predictions. But as we are recording the very next week, and it was an especially notable year at the Oscars. I think maybe that's why we haven't done it, because it's like, oh, God. Yeah. What an embarrassing show. This year, we have a really <laughs> exciting show to talk about. So I wanted to spend a few minutes talking about the 95th Academy Awards uh, that were held this past Sunday, March 12th. So, listeners, just to kind of quickly recap you here on the Oscar winners, um, we're going to talk about that and then kind of give everyone a chance to weigh in on what they thought of the show or the, at least the winners. The big one, everything, everywhere, all at once, took home the most awards at seven awards, including Best Picture, Best Lead Actress, Best Director, Best Supporting Actor and Actress. Man, you know, usually genre films like this, you're like, oh, wow, it got cinematography so great, but we actually, I mean, this this really cleaned up the more prestigious awards in uh, some really impressive ways. All Quiet on the Western Front also had a really strong push at four awards, including Best International Film, Best Cinematography, Best Score, and Best Production Design. And uh, a couple other notable items I want to call here. Uh, Michelle Yeoh was the first Asian actress to win Best Actress, so historical. And I will say historical and well-deserved. It's not like, uh, oh, we're just going to give out the award for this. It's like, no, Michelle Yeoh put out like the, the performance of a lifetime that only she could put on, you know, and uh, well-deserved award there. Uh, also, fun fact, after only existing for 11 years, the independent studio A24 was the winner amongst the studios, bringing home a total of nine awards out of the 18 it was nominated for. Talk about the little studio that could. I mean, we at this table are probably all fans of what A24 is doing, but it's not really mainstream enough to catch on for the Academy. But this year, they made some waves. So uh, kudos to A24. All that said, those are just a few notes I had. Lauren Chapman, seeing as it was your Christmas, what did you think about the winners of this year's big show? I got almost everything that I wanted. <laughs> um, I was uh, very, this is the happiest I've been with wins from the Oscars in a long time. Um the sweep is what I wanted. I they, obviously there were other films beyond everything, everywhere, all at once that I think deserved some 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 love. But at the same time, category to category, I'm like, it's my favorite in this category too. So, sorry guys, you know, like so it's just kind of, you know, it was it was a sweep, but it was a well deserved sweep. Um, and I think we'll we'll get into some of the the snubs. I think maybe in, in a bit, but I think the biggest one for most people for most people was was the Jamie Lee Curtis surprise win. I don't think I love her. I adore her. She's a legend. I've met her twice. She's a lovely human being. And I she's on my list of people who should have an Oscar for different things. Um, I just think this year there was another candidate in that group that I wanted to have it a little bit more than her. But that's that's neither here nor there. I'm I'm still very elated and happy for her. It's such a competitive category. It was, for sure. Yeah. Chris, did you watch the big show? This last I did. Week? What'd I you did. think? You kind of touched on it a second ago, but. For me, just the love that a genre film or genre in, in general a little bit got at this year's Oscars is just so refreshing. Um, I, I'm i a popcorn movie watcher. I mean, we're here to talk about Scream. Um, and the fact that a movie that is a kind of a popcorn movie while also being really inventive and new and fresh got so much love and adoration and... You know, Michelle Yeoh, who comes from action and Jamie Lee Curtis, who comes from horror and all these, you know, um, people who are not who you typically see on the on the stage at the Oscars. Um, that's what was uh, special for me. So that's um, yeah. Yeah. Kihu Kwan, 
I mean, yeah, short round dude, from Indiana cool Jones, story. right? It's an incredible story. What, didn't get cast for 20 years. Yeah. You look at his page, at his IMDb page, he hasn't done anything since 2001. Yeah. I'm excited to see where his career goes yeah. post, post Oscar win. Now. Oh, yeah. I, had, yeah. Uh, I saw somebody say that Indy should go to short round and just have him take over <laughs> yeah. after this one and just yeah. let short round yeah. be the new. It was Indy. a miss, missed opportunity to put him in this new one. <laughs> I mean, I bet he didn't have an Oscar then, though. So it's true. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> you almost are like, man, are they going to try to find a way to get at least a cameo in the new movie somehow? I don't know. Yeah. I don't, it seems kind of late for that, but who knows? Right. Brock, what did you think of the award winners this year? No, I really liked it. You said that, you know, everywhere all at once, you know, took home seven. It felt like 12. It felt like more <laughs> than that. I was like, oh, my God, they're just calling her name, you know, back to back to back. But it was super cool. Like you said, the genre film getting all that love. It's, you know, super inventive. It was, you know, it was great. Um, I I guess I'm not that this matters, but for all quiet on the Western front, taking home uh, best production design. I really wanted it to go to Babylon. Yeah, just same. seeing yep. that, just that trailer, whatever you think of the movie, you know, that's mm-hmm. whatever the movie is, but seeing that trailer and seeing the production design of that, it was just like, Holy crap. Like that is amazingly beautiful. And just so, and it was just, you know, I was blown away by the trailer just because of that. And then of course, Jamie Lee, like getting a little bit of, you know, flack for winning, uh, other people might have been more deserving, but again, you know, on that list of people, you're like, yeah, like, makes sense. For they're me. all good. They're all good. They're mm-hmm. all good. So, and I, yeah, I love her. So I was, of course, happy. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you mentioned that. Again, me and Laurent have talked at length about Babylon, not on this podcast too much, just kind of bit here and there. But it's one of those where I didn't love that movie, but other than best international film, I really would have given. Babylon, best cinematography, best score, and best production design over yeah. score and in production design. Absolutely, I, those those are the two things I walked away with. Yeah. I was like, no matter what I think of this movie, those two things, the crafts are really strong in that movie. So I still think cinematography should have went to Batman. Yeah, the, well, the Batman didn't get nominated. The yeah. Batman should have gotten score too. I mean, yeah, uh, man, yeah, yeah, at least nominated for score. That would have been nice to see. Yeah, yeah. yeah for real. I mean, I, I don't have a lot more to say other than it's just. It's so great that it was such a competitive year, and I don't want to rehash too much of what uh, we talked about in our Oscar predictions episode with um, Brandy and Seth. But like, it, we we got a little bit of everything. You got indie movies, you got international movies, you got animated, like really top notch anime movies. You got blockbusters, and it's just again so great to see that everything nominated. I like certain things more than others, but uh, I was like, man, everything that's here kind of deserves to be here. Yeah, you know, there's nothing here that I'm just like, oh. I well, can't believe this movie is nominated. And it redefines what the best what what best picture means. Cause like, you know, we've we've kind of established what a prestige movie is. And don't get me wrong, I'm that snobby guy who picks that movie every year. But it is nice to see that there's a movie here that kind of walks the fine line between the two being embraced so much. Cause a lot of people said it's too gonzo, it's too strange. The Academy's full of predominantly one demographic that won't go for this kind of movie. We were dead wrong. They love this movie like gangbusters. Everyone, it, like I said, it swept it swept the category. So it's really nice to see that because maybe this will change people's perspectives of what can win Best Picture. And it's not just your Tars or your, you know what I mean, your Fablemans or what have you. It's It, it can be a movie that was also commercially successful and inventive and strange and weird and all those different things. So. Well, I hope it's also... I hope there's a lot of lessons taken away from this from studios. Uh, again, Lauren, you and I have talked at length about how we're getting very exhausted by Marvel content. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and uh, it's nice to see a movie that I wouldn't say it's a blockbuster, but it is a genre film that definitely had really strong legs at the box office. A ton of people have seen it and it didn't adhere to any normal formula. So she's showing like, hey, you can take big swings and make a movie that everyone loves. And I mean, everybody like it wasn't just a popcorn movie, but the yeah. Academy loved it. And this movie um, came out in March. I was mm-hmm. at South by Southwest when it yeah. premiered. So the fact that it was able to grow legs and not fizz out during award season, which seems to be the case with movies that release early. Well, I mean, hot just, dog fingers and dildos. That's kind of hard to <laughs> kind of leave behind that. Just that's that won everybody over, including your grandfather. So <laughs> it's just, it just, yeah, it just, there was literally something in there for everybody. Yeah. So, and one more thing about it and Caleb, you can attest to this. Uh, Cause I, I think I texted you the night I watched it is Ronald Dahl's uh, Matilda the Musical. I don't know if any of y'all have watched it on Netflix, but I tweeted to the the Academy to put uh, When I Grow Up for Best Original Song, and I failed miserably. I would have not do it. I would have liked to song see that on the It's a beautiful song. Yeah, I don't know. Really good. I watched it with my kids, and you're just like, this is a, a cool movie for kids. Like, who, it's like, this is one of those, like, you know, transcending movies where they're like, oh, cool. I want to learn how to dance. I want to learn how to sing. And that song really hit it pretty great in terms of like being a kid and then being adult, like still wanting to like, when you grow up, there's things that you still aspire to do. So I'll leave it at that. That was my snub. There were a lot of omissions in best song because the best body room, what is it uh, from white noise? The, the, Oh, the the Roomba. I can't remember the name of the song, but I remember I loved it when I I heard it. It's like, um, but you know, it's, it's, it's fine. This uh, was a good year. It was a good year. It was a good year. It was a strong year. And RRR did win an Oscar. That was fantastic. You know, I mean, and that performance was a lot of fun. It too. was, that a, was lot of fun. a great performance. Oh, man. I'm so excited. Uh, well, hey, really quickly, it sounds like we're all pretty generally pretty positive about the awards. Just really quickly, I mean, have to ask, what did you all think of the overall ceremony in terms of programming? Uh, I, I had, Admittedly, I had to miss about half of this live, so I had to go back and watch it like a couple of days later. Um, I thought Jimmy Kimmel's opening monologue was actually pretty good. Pretty good. Um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, Chris, what did you think of sort of the programming of the of the show? This is kind of a random, but I really enjoyed uh, Lenny Kravitz's In Memoriam performance. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one thing that kind of takes away from from uh, some of those performances sometimes is when it's a little bit like there's all this ornamentation in the vocals and they're going all over the place and it sometimes feels a little bit more about a performer. And I really liked how he, it was totally not about him at all. Like right. he was there to play the music, but it was clearly about what was on the screen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really great for me. And uh, yeah, I liked Kimmel too. I mean, it's like you have to have a certain amount of, of humor and um, you know, making fun of Hollywood um, while also, you know, building each other up. And that's, I think that's like the line you walk as that host is to be able to do that. And I thought he did a great job. Yeah. And I mean, he's fairly safe, but honestly, I think after that's all what we need, uh, that, yeah, that, exactly. Yeah. That's what he's you an need anchor. Th- this year, especially. Yeah, yeah. 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 Brock, what did you think of the the overall programming of the show? We talk about his opening monologue. The biggest laugh that I had that night was whenever he ended the show with, we now take you to good morning America uh, <laughs> because it ran so long. I, that, that gave me a pretty good chuckle. That was good. Um, no, like usually I will fast forward, like the speeches given by best, you know, costume design or all of that. But this year there was just something about it. I don't know if it yeah. was like the set design or what, but it was just really like, just, I was entranced by it all. So I watched the entire thing and just fast forwarded through a course through the commercials. Cause I was a little bit behind. Uh, it was a great show. I, I'm happy for Brendan Fraser. Mm-hmm. 
I did not like his speech. I do know that his speech was it was very awkward. One of the worst speeches ever given. Uh, <laughs> he tried. Does, re- he he tried really hard to tie in the whale at, uh, allegories to the speech. He went from whales to ocean to. And to he gave to, good speech throughout the season, but the Oscar speech. I think just he was didn't just quite super land. nervous, but I yeah. love him. Uh, I also saw a picture of him and uh, Kay from uh, Encino Man, which I thought was super cool. Uh, I forgot about that. But the real loser of the Oscars this year, Pauly Shore. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he was, he got a dig taken at him and he took it in good spirit. I saw his tweet. He was happy about that. And then he congratulated them. So that was cool. And then of course uh, you talk about Jamie Lee Curtis for like a list of times she should have won. Colin. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Like he had one of the best years Ever for an actor with all, everything he did. 13 Lies, Batman, After Yang. Yeah. Banshees, the one he's nominated for. Like, it just, yeah. He, and, and they're all, like... And then not to mention the, year, the years before. Yeah, like, I mean, know. he's been doing great work for a long time. This year, he did, I think, like, five total performances, and they, he had home runs on Jeez. all of them. And they're all, like, radically different types yeah. of performances. Yeah. He's just, he's incredible, and he's been one of my favorite actors since I was in high school. So I don't know. He'll get it one day, but I was sad for him. And that's all, you know, that's all I got. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think that's a good point. Uh, Lamont, any other thoughts on the, uh, I thought the programming, the re- part that worked the most for me is that it just, they focused on the awards and the performance. They didn't, there wasn't, there was not a lot of deviations. There wasn't a whole lot of fat in it. You know, the Oscars is always the three and a half hour show, but it just felt like everything that was presented you know what I mean, was meaningful and impactful. And all the speeches, as you mentioned, even in the smaller categories, you know, everyone you felt really good for him. It felt like a, yeah. a good, like, uplift from last year because last year was just such a downer after the whole fiasco um, that it you couldn't even focus on anything after that point. And so this, this was the nice little, you know, nourishment for the soul, you know, the little bit of good wholesomeness that, you know, that we missed from it. So, and you can't forget two years ago was Chad, Mc, the Chadwick Boseman thing. Yeah. Was that, that was two years ago, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> what a, they what, teed what a him up to, to lose, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just what a like, ride. <laughs> and poor Anthony Hopkins the next day is like, now oh. the moment you've been <laughs> yeah, waiting he, for. <laughs> he gets on social media, Anthony Hopkins, like, sorry I wasn't there. That Chadwick guy was pretty awesome. I kind of wish you would have given it to him, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I'll say is, the Oscars are long. I think there's still a lot of things they could do to make it more of an event. But here's my here's my whole oh, and this has always been my take. I think shows are allowed to be long if they're paced well. Yeah. That's the big key. Sure. Just like a movie. Sure. Movies can be three hours long if they're paced really well. You're not gonna feel it. I didn't feel it this year. I thought it moved no. fast. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It was fantastic. I was engaged. Yeah. Uh okay. Any other thoughts on the Oscars before we move on to our icebreaker question? My only thing is I one of my favorite movies last year was Nope. Yeah, yeah. Like, nope. and I'm a little bit bummed out that there was absolutely n- no visual effects, cinematography, Kiki Palmer. There are at least three I mean, things. The cinematography, yeah. the nighttime, yeah, the night yeah. shots. I didn't love it, okay, but I need to rewatch it. I've only seen it once, and I was working during it, so yeah, I can't. I guess I that's it not was, a fair. I thought it was well cut too. Yeah, the mm-hmm. editing was really well done. So I would have liked to have seen it represented. The sound, the, the sound was really yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like even and I've come around to that movie quite a bit. Like I'm generally pretty I don't know if it's my favorite of his, but it's definitely I've warmed up to it. But the other thing I will say is even when I saw it the first time from a technical perspective, it was a very impressive yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. There are our thoughts on this year's Oscars. What did you think of this year's Oscars? You can let us know by sending us an email to the cinematropolis at gmail.com or hitting us up at facebook.com forward slash the cinematropolis or on Twitter at the cinematrop. That said, let's move on to this week's icebreaker question. Moving into our scream discussion proper. Removing the killer or killers 
because it could be one. It could be multiple. We're not going to spoil that. And Scream 6, what has been your favorite Scream killer reveal that we've seen in the franchise yet? All right, Chris, not to put you on the spot, but I'm going to let you go first for this one. I guess since I'm first, it's not as bad, but... It's got to be the it's got to be Billy Loomis and Stu Mocker in the first movie. Um, for me, it is, and just the way you say reveal, but still like the way their performances become so unhinged in that house at the end of the movie. Like every time I watch that, uh, I watch I watch that movie that their performances at the end are just hysterical. They're completely maniacal. Um, it's just uh, yeah, it's always going to be. I think there's no way to best to best that reveal and those killers for me is, is Billy and Stu from the first film. Can't beat a classic. You know, I, I think uh, that sounds like something a scream killer would say is go back to the classic. Roots, right. You know, right. so it could be you could be the killer. I could be Brock Lay. You know, my love for scream four. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going with scream four. I'm going with Jill and Charlie. You think Jill is the last girl. You think she's the heroine, the entire movie and she ends up being the killer. And then, Charlie pulls a uh, stepmom from Hellraiser and kind of just because he is in love with Jill goes along with the bit uh, trying to be famous with her. So that was that was a pretty good that was a pretty good reveal for me. I thought that was pretty it's chilling, man. That scene where she kills him and then just starts beating her head up against the wall yes. and stuff. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was fantastic. Pulling her hair out. <laughs> that was the best reveal because yeah. they were because like, you, you know, even like you said, like how unhinged Billy and Stu are that they were it was still kind of like that, but they weren't over the top where they were trying to overplay it. It was a more kind of reserved for the screen, for the scream series. Right, it, was, right. it was one of the more reserved reveals. And then when she started doing that and she throws herself through the glass table, you're like, Holy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nope. Here's the maniacal stuff right here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that was mine is Jill and Charlie scream Four. Oh man. Great, great pick. Lauren Chapman. You know, I'm the outlier here and I'm always going to say, this. I mean, I love the, um, Mrs. Loomis reveal because I got to see Jackie from Roseanne (laughs) go ham, you know, and I just think, you know, there was a lot of pressure, you know, it was the sequel. You had such a good reveal. She really had to bring it, you know, I mean, there's a lot of criticisms about, um, uh, Timothy Oliphant's Mickey, but I, I don't know think, what, 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 who, who the, he's awesome. He's also, I think he's great. He's also off he's the rails. Amazing. He's off not as rails. good. He's yeah. not as good as the first two, but I really think that Mrs. Looms in particular, you know, Laurie Metcalf, that was a blast. And I like, and I actually think her motive, it just makes sense. You know what I mean? And it's a callback to the Friday, the 13th series, you know, J- J- uh, Mama Voorhees, yeah. you know, so, I, I liked it for all the reasons that, you know, that it was utilized. And, and it's surprising to me when I when I read that that was not actually the first two killers that they had in mind for the sequel. And so I'm like, what else would have been? Who were they? It would have been Derek and Hallie. So like Sid's uh, uh, black fr- best friend and then her boyfriend. And I'm like. I like what they did. I like it better with Mrs. Loomis and it. Yeah. It just, it seems like that just made some, makes more sense. And what would their motive be? Probably not as interesting. Mm -hmm. I am glad you, you brought up, uh, Mrs. Loomis being crushed by um, the, 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 I think of you every time the stage now. production the rocks that are that real. She falls down. And she's like, oh, I'm like, aren't they foam? Yeah, they should be foam. You should Why be getting she, up perfectly fine. Like yeah. she's under the rubble, so when she's I dead. Like, that, come on, guys. My, oh man, <laughs> I like, lost it when I watched it. I was like, holy wait, that's a stage production. Those should be right, very light, right. I uh, man, <laughs> <laughs> the end of Scream Two is so much fun. It um, is. 
I, I don't know. I like Timothy Oliphant. He does go totally bonkers ham. And I think the motivation of the uh, going to try he like wants to be on trial t- mm-hmm. so that he can make a case for violence in pop culture. I don't know. Fascinating. Uh, oh, not as postmodern. Sure. Um, I thought that was a fun reveal. I don't know. I got to go with Brock on this one. Scream four. It's just it, it's the, the reveal with uh, like with Jill is maniacal. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it was a really clever subversion of the trope, which is we were thinking, we thought Scream 4 was kind of going to, we didn't call it the legacy sequel yet, but we thought, oh, okay, they're bringing in the new cast. They're going to mm-hmm. set this up with a new mm-hmm. crew. And then, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. She's the one killing everyone because she wants to be the sole survivor. Right. Like she wants to be Sydney. Right. And, and frankly, she, she's just died. She'll do anything to get the five seconds of fame, which mm-hmm. I, frankly, I think is even more relevant in 2023 than yeah, it was in 2011. TikTok generation, absolutely. Yeah. Anything to even get the attention of millions of people for even five seconds. You know, yeah. it's, it's crazy the things people will do. I have a follow-up question to this, though. Who do we think is the best killer? So not necessarily our favorite reveal, but who is the best ghost-faced killer? Laurent, I'll throw it to you on this. Like, before they're revealed? <laughs> or, like, or general, like, or like whole, in general? Because like, yeah. I'm like, because, like, he's gotten progressively more menacing as the series has gone along. But I think honest overall, I think Stu. Stu's my favorite, my favorite of all of the ghost faces. His performance is my favorite. He's the one everyone wants to come back. You know, like even though it makes no sense. It's like, but you know, they want him to do it because they love him so much. You know, like and so I I get that. And it's because Matthew Lillard was just bringing it in that first one. So Stu. Mm -hmm. Laurent Chapman or sorry not Laurent Chapman, Broccoli. I'm not the killer, no. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, uh, I have the exact same answer as Laron. It's Stu. Uh, one, because it was an amazing performance. Two, because I'm completely biased towards Matthew Lillard. But <clears throat> he was. He was unhinged. He was overacting, but like in a reserved nature where it was completely believable with the <laughs> with the drooling and the you went too deep and my mom and dad are going to be so mad at me. <laughs> just everything he said, you're just like, that's so believable. That's so funny. That's still so scary. And it was just... He was fantastic. He is the person that every reveal after has been trying to emulate and mm-hmm. failing to do so. I agree. Everybody tries to match that energy he had. I feel like in every sequel except for four because Jill and Charlie killed it. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's just what they try to do. They're like, oh, we've been crazy this whole time. But it's just every person after it's been like, you're just doing a caricature of Stumacher because he is the OG. He's the best. He set the tone. He's he set the one. The tone. He's the one who went ham. And now everyone's like, at the end of the movie, we got to go crazy. <laughs> we just uh, need a straight laced one. Like, yeah, I did it. He walked what? so everyone else could trip <laughs> yeah. Chris. I mean, it's it's gotta be Stu. Like I, I hate to hate to uh you know press repeat on a discussion, but yeah, it's for the reasons they said it's it's Stu. Yeah. Okay. That that performance is just I already said it. It's just it's just great, maniacal, hilarious. Mm-hmm. So I'm not gonna argue. I you know, if I wasn't playing devil's advocate, I'd probably also pick Stu because he just is the quintessential killer. Like his motivations aren't even like like Billy Loomis's motivations make sense. Stu just wants to do it because he thinks it's like edgy. And you, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, like like he's not even the main guy. He's the tag along. Him and Mickey are like the ones that are just like following the lead of someone who's out for revenge. But and even Mickey had somewhat of a reason. Like for, you know, 
Like a little bit of one, but more, like, yeah. stew definitely, just, definitely more than stew. Yeah, yeah definitely right. more stew is just like I'm just having a good time. Yeah. Billy had a reason, you know, it was the whole mom scenario, Sydney's mom. But this, but for stew, it was just like, well, it's something to do, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, so just for fun, I do have a list school pulled up of uh, kill counts per Scream Killer. I'm not saying mm. these are the best. I'm just saying this is the ranking based on their kill count. Okay. Okay. Uh, and again, this is from comic book resource. I don't usually quote them, but they were the top <laughs> search because they're good at SEO. So we're going to start here. Number nine. Oh, obviously, we're not including Scream 6 in this, uh, yes, in this list. Uh, number nine, Mrs. Loomis, one kill. <laughs> she got one kill. It's true. She used Mickey was the attack dog. So, you know, one kill. And it was Randy. And she killed. She was the one who she yeah, killed him. Wow. Remember, because she confesses to that. Talked, he talked wow. bad about her. her it's her, it's her one belly. kill, but it's a big kill. It's a, it's big a kill. well, mm-hmm. yeah. She pissed a lot of people off with that <laughs> kill. <laughs> Some people left the franchise after that. You know, so. Yeah, it, it, killed it, Jamie Kennedy's career too. He might have done something. Oh, <laughs> oh, he he had a variety show after that that also flopped but okay and he hey, killed it in on. tremors that's I, tremors sure. five is a good movie i like tremors all of them he dirt biked the shit out of that movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> um again uh i would have to normally I, I would like for listeners to verify this but again according to comic book resource which you know is what it is number eight is Stu mocker with two kills I, that's the one i'm like i'm a little skeptical of that kill count because i feel like he probably killed more um okay number seven charlie walker with three kills Number six is Amber, also with three kills. She was a good one. She was. She was a good one. I really liked her. Uh, Richie Kirsch with three kills. I actually like Richie a lot as well. I like Richie um, and Amber I like, I, I like the the motivation of the toxic fandom really, res- I mean, in the current zeitgeist really resonated pretty strongly. And I really like um, Jack Quaid quite a bit. I just think yeah. he's really charming and, yeah. you know, he's a, he was a good pick for a killer. Number four, Billy Loomis with four kills. Number three, Mickey with seven kills. Wow. Again, because I guess he did all the killing in two. Mm-hmm. Number two, it's attributing seven kills to Jill. Yikes. And then number Price one bitch. is Roman Bridger. <laughs> no I mean, way. I guess, well, yeah, he was the He only. was the only one. He, that's true. <laughs> they mentioned it in this new one. Yeah, so very ambitious. Give him ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> all right, listeners, well, there you have it. Enough of the small talk, though. Let's go ahead and get into our review of Scream 6. I had this secret. There's a darkness inside of me. It followed me here. And it's gonna keep coming for us. We share a certain history. This isn't like any other ghost face. What is this place? A shrine. We've got to lure him in. We execute him. Hello. Let's play a game. You know you're like the 10th guy to try this, right? It never works out for the dipshit in the mask. Maybe. But there's never been one like me, Gail. I'm something different. That's why I'm going to shoot you in the head. So according to IMDb, Scream 6 is described as, in the next installment, the survivors of the ghost-faced killings leave Woodsboro behind and start a fresh chapter in New York City. A few things I want to note about Scream 6. Uh, Firstly, 
This movie is already a runaway hit. It had the biggest opening weekend of the franchise to date with a domestic box office of $44.5 million against an estimated budget of $35 million. Just for context, the previous uh, franchise MVP was Scream 3 in 2000 with $34.7 million. So this one's beating it by about 10 mil, which is pretty impressive. Uh, this is the first entry in the franchise without Nev Campbell and David Arquette. It's also the second film directed by the duo known as Radio Silence, a.k.a. I'm going to butcher their, butcher their names. Matt Bettinelli, Alfin, and Tyler Gillette. And lastly, similar to Scream 2, Scream 6 is released just 14 months after Scream 2022, which opened January 14th of last year. Uh, you know, listeners of the show who've been tuning in for a while probably remember we did a review of that last year. I'll link that in the show notes. And lastly, just want to remind you, since this is a screen film, we're going to keep this spoiler-free section really, really light. But Brock Lay, I'm going to start with you. What did you think of Scream 6? I really liked Scream 6. Um, again, <clears throat> it's impossible to judge any of the Scream movies based off of your first watch. Because they just, I feel like every single one of them just gets better and better. If anything that our you know, retrospect last year taught me, it's that... Every single movie is good. There's not a bad one in the bunch. Um, and I think I told you this walking into Scream 6, like before the retrospect, I hadn't watched a few of them in a while. So I like was kind of down on them. I was like, ah, you know, like I don't really, I guess I'll watch them because we have to do this. And I realized that the Scream series or the franchise is like that girl that you were like best friends with in high school that you're like, yeah, there's really nothing there. We just hang out. But then like after a while, you start thinking about it and you're like, Oh my God, I'm in love with her. And that's what the Scream series was for me. What a metaphor. So I love the Scream series. I love the movie. Sam completely redeemed herself from five. I feel like she was fantastic. Uh, New York was great. The brutality, the gore, everything. I, I, I really, I really did dig the movie. Awesome. So Brock Lay coming in very positive. Chris McIntosh, what did you think of Scream six? I loved this movie uh, for all the reasons he just said. And I also felt like, Overall, with the previous film, um, the the tension was a lot greater in this movie. Uh, the overall tension, um, like chase sequences, um, I just thought those were all really well done. Like he said, Melissa Barrera really um, came into her role in this one, where she wasn't so much there in the last one, in my opinion. Um, you know, I think we were all a little bit, I was a little bit nervous about New York City, like taking it out of its core element. Is that good or bad? But I think it was really nice. Now we, now that we've seen it, I think it was really necessary. If you're going to, if you're going to make a scream six, we got to do, we got to do something different here. Um, and then I thought the humor, I thought the jokes landed a lot better on me personally than the humor in scream five did. So for me, this was a big step up uh, from the previous film overall. All right. Yeah. All right. So scream six, uh, really, really great. And a step up from the last one, the Ron Chapman. I also loved it. Um, and I would say it's a near perfect movie until the last 15 minutes. So seconded, I say that and mm -hmm. I'm like, but you know what? That's a, that's a lot of movie to like mm -hmm. before, yeah. before it kind of just, you know, so I think as everyone said, yeah, I think it, it's elevated in terms of, um, the chase scenes, the, the, the aesthetic is, is, is nice. The core, base here the actors all of them I, I think the last one had the challenge of basically like being a reboot 
and also introducing new characters and also, you know, um, bringing back legacy characters, like tying things back. So I really don't think we really got enough time to really mine the, you know, the main characters in that. So I don't I didn't feel connected to anyone. I liked certain characteristics of them, but none of them resonated with me. And here they really did. Like, I really like I now can feel confident moving forward that if this this is going to be our new crop that there are new Dewey, Sydney, and Gale, you know, group, and I'm and I'm I'm excited to follow them. So, all right, Leron also digs it into the last fifteen minutes. So, man, uh, am I going to come across as the bad guy on this episode? Um, <laughs> so I don't. I, this is a really good movie. Just want to reiterate, this is a very good movie. I think it's not. It's not the worst screen movie. It's not the best screen movie. For a movie that was put together in 14 months and had a lot of hurdles they had to figure out, I think it nailed it. Like, I mm-hmm. I, I wish we would have done more with New York, but I thought what they did was very satisfying. Sure. Um, it was really nice. Just the, the sure fact of putting them in a different setting was yeah. a lot of fun. Again, I think I almost feel like we could get another one in New York that shows off all the other things in New York that we didn't see in this movie. I mean, we basically because got it was shot in Montreal. I know. I know. <laughs> I was there. But yeah, because it was not shot in New York. But. <laughs> So, so the fact that it's a different location yeah. does open it up to, to new types of chase sequences, new set pieces that are really fun. I also think what this movie probably does better than anything, in my opinion, other the chase sequences are number one. Like that really is like this is a great horror movie in a traditional in a traditional sense of your killers. Murderers are brutal. I was on the edge of my seat for like half the movie. All of that works really well. I also, Laurent, you hit on this. I really think they did a great job setting up this, the air quotes, core force of all the survivors from the last movie. They were able to kind of renew this theme of, you know, um, oh my gosh, I'm totally drunk. Family. Yeah, well, there's family. 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 Uh, yes. Trauma. There we go. Yes. That's what I was they were able to renew this theme of trauma that we'd explore very thoroughly through Sydney's arc over the first five movies. And honestly, I think five even, I mean, we'll get to it in a second, left that in a pretty good spot. And you sort of pick it up and put it in a new context yeah. with a new group. And, you know, whereas Melissa Barrera, I, I, I agree with you and Brock, she was my least favorite part of five. I really feel like, A, she stopped her at per game, and B, it there was less pressure on her because there was a whole group of people we were more invested in. Mm-hmm. And I think it really adds quite a bit to this movie. I, I really love these characters. I feel comfortable saying, yeah, these are the new mains yeah. I'm invested in where their stories go moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so love, love the cast. Yeah. The last 15 minutes is uh, pretty disappointing. And, but I also think the last 15 minutes sort of brings a lot of my larger problems with this movie to the forefront. Uh, which we'll get to, into in spoilers, but uh, I will just say that the meta commentary in this is severely lacking, in my opinion. Uh, that said, still a really great movie. Like it's still really, really good. I really, really like it. It's, it's a. There's still track record is still spotless. We have not received a bad Scream movie yet, yeah. and I'm excited to see. Very excited to see what they do with Scream Seven. Now, I mentioned the Nev Campbell piece here a second ago, and obviously, uh, listeners, if you're if you're not aware. Nev Campbell was asked to return along with Courtney Cox and due to a pay dispute, uh, they were unable to work out some sort of agreement for her to return. Very strange seeing as she's like the main character of the franchise that they wouldn't <laughs> just, you know, give her whatever she asked for. But uh, here we are. I want to ask you all, did the lack of Sydney Prescott, Nev Campbell, Sydney Prescott, did that bother you or hold the movie back at all? Or do you think it was more of a, a creative benefit in disguise? Chris? 
I mean, part of it comes with your part of my response comes with my expectations going to this movie. And I think it was for me personally, it was very, I mean, I wanted to love scream six scream five was good, but going into it, I was not feeling that high on it because I mean, Nev Campbell is the, is the, is the, is the series really yeah. in many ways. And so as far as her absence, how does it fare? Shockingly well mm -hmm. for me. It's like it, it great movie. If she's not in it, I don't know. We'll get into the last 15 minutes in a little bit. I agree with you guys about that. But aside from a few things, I I don't know how much better it could have been. Like I missed her. I'm always going to miss Nev Campbell. I, you can always have more Nev Campbell to me. <laughs> um, but a, as far as how the movie fared without her, how it moves on without her, pff, I pretty, pretty darn well. You know, it's like they, it didn't feel like they wrote around her absence it, in it any really way. They didn't. Yeah. The Ron. I echo that. I, I had a lot of trepidation going into this. It was so, butthurt that she wouldn't be in and I thought this is going to structurally mess up the movie because they said they had to retroactively remove whatever mm -hmm. they had with her. I was like, well, what is what can you do now? How can you work around your star? You know, like it's the whole movie, right? Um, and I think, like you said, it, it worked in the film's benefit because um, they really were able, again, to mine the main characters, like really give all of them, flesh them out, give them more nuances, give them more of a, a space in the story, which that I think probably wouldn't have been there had mm -hmm. Nev been there. We probably would have had the same issues with them that we'd had in the last one. You know, so I really think that in a weird way, it helped this new iteration of the Scream franchise. That being said, if you bring Nev back, I'm going to absolutely say do it. I'm not going to. But I just also think that at this point, like if she's not in it, I now know that we're in capable enough hands to tell this story with the new cast. So, yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like, you know, most of us are feeling pretty positive about it. Brock, what was your take on the lack of Nev Campbell? Yeah, like Chris said, you know, <clears throat> always, you know, having more Nev Campbell is always good, except for any other sequels to scream. I want her, I want her swan song to be her sending her best via a message from Gail, even <laughs> though that was a terrible way to tie her into the movie. Um, hey, her and Patrick Dempsey are off living their best life. Apparently she is, so. she took herself out of the equation and that's, that's, that's respectful. I thought, cause like you said, like five was kind of a little disjointed because it followed Gail and Sydney for a portion in the new group of characters. So it was kind of, it was kind of a divide in the movie. Yeah. Gail has always, she started as a tertiary character and became a secondary character. So she's always been someone just on the outside of the core group anyway. Mm -hmm. So involving her doesn't take anything away because she can pop in on either side with the new group or with, you know, with Nev Campbell. Yeah. And so I thought it was, it was a fantastic movie without her. And I think bringing her back now would only be a distraction to what they've now, that's, that's true. What, that's they've, fair. what they've, what they've established with the new core four, uh, who carried the movie really well by themselves. They're fantastic actors, fantastic, you know, you know, uh, togetherness, what they have, like, you know, I don't know. Um, and it's funny that you say that they had to ride around, you know, Nev not coming back. So like how this, I don't know, I won't get into that spoilers. Yeah. Never mm -hmm. mind. Yeah. Nev be gone. All, we love you, Nev. But we love you. I mean, if they if they can find a way to bring her back, that's really interesting and central to the story. But do don't it. shoehorn it. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. oh for sure. Because then we end up with <laughs> how I feel about Gail in this movie, which is you're like, ah, <laughs> you're here. I mean, it doesn't hurt the movie, but it also doesn't really add to the movie much either, other than 
A little bit of comedy. There's some sure. good. There's Can't some good jokes. Wait to sure. disagree with you later. Okay. There's some good yeah. jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Some good <laughs> jokes. <laughs> okay. Um, I will just say, uh, Laron, you and I did in our in our Cocaine Bear uh, Creed Three double feature. <laughs> we talked about how Creed Three feels like it actually did the legacy sequel like model to the perfection, and that by the third movie you don't need. Like Rocky's not in the third Creed. Yeah, you didn't need him. And you didn't need him. And it was a good movie. And it was a great movie. And I feel like we're pretty much I'm I'm happy to report. Whereas again, a lot of other large franchises have mag- have failed magnificently at doing this. Yeah. It seems like Scream, you know, obviously we've got Courtney Cox here, but I mean it seems like they're pretty set to do the same thing where it's like, hey, we actually passed the torch and now we can tell new mm-hmm. stories with new characters, yeah. which I don't think most franchises that have attempted that have been successful. So I think that's a huge, um, and it's a huge Testament because I love this series a lot and I love those characters a lot. So for me to say that I enjoy this movie without Nev almost feels blasphemous, but it's true. I was wondering how you were going to, I did though. I really did. I was like, I was surprised how much I, I won't say didn't miss her. I'm just saying didn't think of her, but I mean, while it was there, you would be, you would be backtracking at this point to put her back, to put her back in with like what Ghostface motive would be now after last year with yeah. Richie and Amber, like to then go back yeah. and then center. Which back makes you wonder because they did say the the two the writers that um, that with 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 taking Nev out, they did change the motive for for and, the killers in this new one. Which makes me wonder what that motive yeah. would have been. You know, like so I was like. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Well, here's the thing, too. I actually thought, and you can go back and listen to us talk about this on our Scream 5 podcast. I think where Sydney got left off was a really great spot. We've kind of explored trauma and like sort of how it how it ha- has haunted her through her life. And every movie that she's had progression, either she has character growth through the movies. And then by the next movie, she's kind of into the next phase. Yeah. And by five is she's like learned how to live with it yeah. and face it head on. You know, they walk into that house at the in five. Yeah. They're like pull out a gun and they're like, ah. Eh, is that a real person or not? And they about to shoot a girl. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's just, you, yeah. you see that they, uh, she is, it's derivative for her at that right. point. She's just like, what? Show me the thing. Let's get to the point. Right. What do you want to say? What's your, mm-hmm. you know, that, and so, yeah, they did give her a send off in five. Like she, it, it, there is definitely a definitive close to that story. It's just that knowing that they made another one, they're making another one. You just assume. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're finding another reason to bring her back into the fray. And, and then they found a way to utilize the story without it. And it, and maybe it doesn't need it now, you know, so. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to get into many of the details in the spoiler section. But for now, I want to give our listeners who have not seen the film yet a letter grade review. LeBron Chapman, what letter grade would you give Scream 6? This would have gotten an A minus if it wasn't for the last 15 minutes. Um, so I'm giving this a a honorable B plus um, in the series. But I, I say that knowing full well that I had a great time with it. So. All right. B plus. I mean, that's still a pretty good review for the sixth entry of a horror movie franchise. Got to say, Chris. Solid A minus. A minus for me. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Broccoli. I had B plus, but knowing uh, LaRon is extremely (laughs) big into Scream and he's going to up it one, I'll down it to a B. All right. (laughs) I said the tone. You know, and because uh, I have to be the most negative review, I was going to give it a B, and Brock just marked, knocked it down, so I've got to go with a B minus now. Okay, there we go. But I, mean, I feel sincere about that. The things that work about this movie work so well that I'm like, yeah, it deserves to be a B, but the, the for me, the detractors are pretty significant. So I am in no way B-. mad I went to the theater to watch this movie. I oh, no. Yeah. No, absolutely. Go see, the the, go see it yeah. in the theater. Go this see movie's the theater. totally worth it. It's yeah. fantastic. 
Uh, all right. For a B movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're going to recommend another piece of media to our listeners, could be a film, television show, novel, song, video game. What would you recommend to our listeners who are interested in Scream 6? Brockle, I'll go the other way this time. We saw it in the trailer. I texted you right after we saw the trailer. Mm-hmm. It was not utilized as well. I will say, if you want to see a true white knuckle ladder scene, go watch Judgment Night with Emilio Estevez. Mm. Okay. And uh, I haven't seen this. I'm surprised. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. Writing it down now. Yes, with Emilio Estevez. Uh, oh, I can't. I can't think of his name now. It is uh, fantastic. The guy who played uh, Frost in Blade. Steven Dorff. Oh, Steven Dorff, yeah. Yeah, yeah Steven Dorff. It's a fantastic cast. It's a fantastic movie. Dennis Leary. Not Dennis Leary. Maybe Dennis Leary. Not Dennis Leary. Damn it. Dennis Hopper. Hopper. Nope, not even a Dennis. <laughs> 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 anyway, I'm, I'm dragging it out. I thought somebody was IDB and they are going to look it up for me, but uh, you guys are... We're, we're bad. Uh, at the movie game. But say, say it one more time for listeners, Brock. Judgment Night with Emilio Estevez. A group of buddies take an RV into the city to go watch a wrestling match that breaks down. It's in the middle of the city at night. There is a kind of a gang that is roaming the streets, and the leader of that gang is... Cuba Gidding Jr.? No, that's mm-hmm. his best friend. Dennis Leary. Dennis Leary. It I'm was sorry. Dennis Leary. Okay, it was, it Dennis, was Leary. Dennis. It was Dennis Leary. I'm <laughs> that, sorry. That Dennis. I was thinking of the Dennis who uh, did the Monday Night Football <laughs> for a brief bit. <laughs> oh, I'm losing it. I love it because I, Brock, you were, I'll be honest, I've never seen this movie or heard about this I've movie. I've seen that movie so many times, it's sad. Oh. It is, the the latter scene in Judgment Night is way better than the latter scene in Scream. That's six. that's a big that's because I was very impressed with. I was yeah, bored so in oh, Scream no. Six. Oh no, thinking oh, this no. this is not even close to Judgment Night. <laughs> oh no, okay, all right. You'll never be Emilio. Laron Chapman, drop a recommendation here. You know, I got to go with Radio Silence's first uh, big film, um, Re- uh, Ready or Not. You know, I think that that was one that surprised me and when they said that they were making the new screen movie I was like I really liked that movie so I'm I'm in, I'll be impressed to see what they do with it and then I think again that we're in capable hands so I, yeah. I recommend you see that so you can tonally kind of get their sense of dark humor mixed with ultra violence you know which has kind of served this new iteration of the franchise really well so ready or not by radio silence Great movie. It is a great movie. Um, and it's Dennis Miller. That's who I got Dennis Miller. <laughs> Dennis, Dennis Miller. Miller. <laughs> oh, Dennis Miller. Bordello of blood, Dennis Miller. Bordello of blood. <laughs> you know, there was a lot of Dennis's in the 80s There's and 90s. too many Dennis's. <laughs> Chris, what would you recommend to listeners? So the recommended the recommendation I always go with with Scream is a, is a little known and underappreciated movie called Teaching Mrs. Tingle. Love it. Nice. Have you seen, you've seen I it? I love it. I've seen it in many theaters. Times. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So new to me uh, guys. I'm... So teaching Mrs. Tingle is written and directed by Kevin Williamson. Mm-hmm. What? Executive Katie Holmes. And I haven't connection. seen this. Executive well, and scream connection because he executive produced these movies and right. wrote one, two and four. Of course. Yes. So it's the only movie he directed. It's not, it's not an amazing movie. Yes. It's, 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 but a, it's it's a B movie, but it's a fun. Listen, yeah. I watched movie. I watched Sick earlier this year and was very underwhelmed. I watch, <laughs> but I was still happy because Kevin Williamson made it. I'll watch anything. Yeah, he's, yeah. Well, I mean, so it's a 1999 dark comedy thriller about Katie Holmes wants to get a better grade than her 
evil, evil teacher Helen Mirren gave Helen her. Helen Mirren, yeah. And so they they devised that her and her friends devised this plan to get her grade bumped. And of course, all hell breaks loose. And it's got the same dark humor, um, kind of movie references. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that the screen movies. Andy kept his WB blood pure by casting Katie Holmes and Barry Williams (laughs) from seventh heaven. (laughs) Right, right, right. Yeah. It's a blast. It's a lot of fun. It's definitely leans more comedic than horror for sure. It was kind of marketed as a thriller and it, not that it's not there, but it's definitely, this is a comedy, you know what I mean? Like, so. Did you say say Barry Williams? Is it not Barry Williams? Barry Williams is uh, Greg Brady. God, who am I thinking Barry, of? No, it is a Barry, it's though. It's a Barry. Barry's and Watson. Genesis are my, are my vices. I, it's not good at. <laughs> there have been a lot of both of those, especially the 70s, 80s, and 90s. I think, it's Barry, I think it's Barry Watson is that guy's name. Oh, man. But he, gonna, he is in Seventh Heaven. I'm going to stop name dropping. Uh, yeah, it is Barry Watson. Barry Watson. <laughs> okay. Confirmed. Thank you. Confirmed. <laughs> It's Greg Brady. It's a Barry. Greg Brady, Katie Holmes. Like it is a Dennis. It is a Barry. It's just the wrong Dennis and the wrong Barry. I was the right Dennis. No, it was the right Dennis. Oh, you're right. You're right. I just thought I was wrong. (laughs) All right. So we're editing all of that out. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be for the outtakes. All right. So I'm going to change the pace up a little bit, guys. I'm going to go with a video game. Uh, It actually has come out between screen movies. It's a little game called The Quarry that came out over the summer last year on PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. And it is from Supermassive Games. They did a, a previous game in 2014 called Until Dawn. And it's one of those interactive movie games. So the quarry is especially notable because uh, firstly until Dawn had Hayden Pateri in it. So that was from 24. Okay. It's a dual recommendation. That's a good game too. Um, But until Dawn is basically you're at a a camp in the summer. It's the last day of camp. Everyone's about to go home and you're playing as some douchebag named Jacob who really wants to to stay with his, uh, his his, uh, summer crush. And you, uh, this is a spoiler for the first, 10 minutes of the game, you go and sabotage her car so that everyone's stranded there. And then of course things ensue. Yeah. But it's like one of those choose adventure, not uh choose your own adventure novels, but a video game. So you're interacting in the movie and like you can, there's like more than a dozen endings you can end up with. Yeah. Um, cool. It's super duper fun. You can breeze through it in around like, I think it's around 10 to 12 hours. Me and my fiance, Lauren sat in the couch and played it every about three days. Also notable about this. It does star, um, Scream's very own David Arquette in a supporting role. Okay. I will say he shows up at the beginning, goes away for a long time, and then comes back. But yeah. okay. I need to say, it's uh, good game. it is a great game. Ted Raimi, uh, also in the film. All right. Uh, or in the game. Lynn Shea. Like Lynn right. Shea, yeah. Lynn Shea yeah. has a really good supporting role mm-hmm. in it. Yep. yep. So it's they good. knew what they were doing. They knew what they, they were doing. The oh, they yeah. They, they knew doing. the target audience. Yeah. And yeah. I bought that thing. It was like 70 bucks. I dropped it day one. I, I had, Until Dawn was one of my fondest. I wasn't in college. It was post-college. But it's like one of those, like, I just, you know, how you binge a TV show. I did that with the game because, you know, like the interactivity, you're just so in it. And the story, the way they pace it out, you just don't. You've got to see what happens yeah. next, right? Yeah. Very addictive. Uh-huh. Very, very addictive. Super fun. Uh, again, that game is called The Quarry. It is on PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. Highly recommend that. And before we get to the spoilers, the last thing we have to do, and this is arbitrary, like we have, this is obligatory. We mm-hmm. have to do it anytime we talk about screen movies. We need to rank the series. What is our new order now that we have a new entry? Chris, I'll start with you on this. <laughs> I keep I keep changing it as I <laughs> as as I've been preparing for this. So I think it's going to be if we're if I'm talking quality, not necessarily like mine. 
favorites? LaRon said exactly the same thing last year. I did. 100% okay. the same thing. <laughs> okay. I have a ranking, like a preferential ranking, and, yeah. then I have a, yeah. and then I have a like merit ranking. Yeah. So, yeah. That's amazing. Um, That's incredible. Or I don't know. I don't know, guys. I think it's going to be one, two, even with its problems, six, five, four, three. Now, if it was my preferential, I'd probably flip. I'd probably put three ahead of five and four. Oh, wow. Um, okay. listen, wow. three is not a great finish to the scream movies, but I think as a sequel, as like scream three, the little bit of the seed of Chucky of scream, mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it gets a lot better yeah. and it's just, there's the nostalgia there for me. So, so the, the official ranking is one, two, six, five, four, three. But if it was my preferential three would jump ahead. Okay. Four and five, I think. Yeah. I love to see the renewed love for three, even though it's like one of my my least favorites. Like I still like again, it's still a good movie. And I love that like other people like it more than me because it still deserves. It's, it's like, just a different yeah. vibe. It is. That's the thing. And that's right. the thing. It's like, what are you in the mood for? It's right. like you want like hardcore or do you want just like light comedy? Mm-hmm. It's like you know. I watched it again like a month ago. It was on like one of the movie channels and I and I lingered and I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch this. You know, there's so many other things on, but it's it's just fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's got some really great sequences in there. Again, the, the sequence when there are uh, Sydney's being chased, the chase sequence on the su- the set mm-hmm. is yeah, really, 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 really tough. Anything with Parker Posey. Yeah. In that movie, oh, yeah. She's, mm-hmm. yeah, she's amazing she's in that. Great. All right, Broccoli, what is your new ranking? Oh, man. Uh, so I have then so I have one, four, and then two. Two when thinking about the cop car scene. Mm-hmm. Five, six, three. When I think about the ending of two with Mickey being batshit crazy and uh, styrofoam blocks knocking out Lori Metcalf, <laughs> I change it <laughs> and I have one, four, five, six, two, three. Watching six made me appreciate five more, especially thinking about our podcast last year and everything we talked about concerning five mm-hmm. and just the commentary around that. That made me just think about how much I actually liked Scream 5. And that's why it's so hard to rank because when you think about them over a long period of time, everything changes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but so honestly, one, four, five, six, two, three. That's mine. Okay. All right. Set it in putty, not stone. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, that's funny. You're gonna wake up set tomorrow and be like, ah, in the sand actually, until the is over. I'm gonna right. send you a yeah, I'm gonna send you a, a voiceover cut to put it back in here for my new ranking. <laughs> All right, Laurent Chapman. Okay. Um, my initial thought is you know, this is not my preferential, just going off of merit. One, two, and then at this present moment, I really like six on a moment to moment basis, um, more than I did five. Um the thing with five for me was that it was so um, like I like it as a whole when it came together. Um, and with six, I was like, I think I, this might be my favorite sequel until, until mm-hmm. the end. So with that being said, one, two, six, five, three, four is my like merit base at this state, at this current moment. And then I oscillate with two being really my real favorite. And I get in trouble for that a lot, but I just like the set pieces better in two a lot more than one. I think one is a better movie. But I enjoy two about more. If that's that makes totally sense. totally fair. I like you saying totally set pieces fair. of two whenever the set pieces of two are what make me yeah. drop it. And that's <laughs> the, what, the, I, literal I, the literal set pieces <laughs> of that college <laughs> play. And I oscillate between one and two being my favorite, and then I and I'm oscillating between five and six being which do I like more? You know, it's like I mean, I would watch the sequences in six all day. 
like the latter scene, we're gonna get we're gonna get into Wait it. Wait till you see judgment. The sub <laughs> I know. He was right. This latter scene sucks. <laughs> but the latter scene, the subway scene, yeah. the Gale Call scene, the, the opening the bodega. Number, the bodega. The bodega there's just really good the opening. The opening. The opening. The opening. Really we're not gonna yeah. spoil the opening, it's but the, this might be the best opening. That's why these wrong. always change, because the more we talk about it, I'm like Maybe I'm okay. Wait, maybe this is moving up. Yeah. One of these days, four might move I up. Think for it, you, I think really what it matters is what do you go to a scream movie for? Yeah, is it the exactly. set pieces yeah. and the 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 chase sequences, or is it the ghost face reveal? Yeah. If you go for the ghost face reveal, then this might come in disappointing to yeah. you. If you go for just a good time, like slice them and dice them, this might be your favorite one. You know, like so it just really depends on what you go to a scream movie for. Yeah. So that's great. So I'm gonna go one. Four, five, two, six, three. Okay, well, but that's, in, that's inventive. Six, that is inventive. six, and six and two actually are pretty close. It, it's I hate this because I know how much Leron loves two. I also really like two, but it's the one that I feel like I is the one of the less essential ones for me to watch. Yeah. Because it's very similar to the first one, just in a different setting, but the actual plot structure, I will say the reveal sequence at the end of that is pretty top-notch, though. I yeah. really, really, really love the Laurie Metcalf plus uh, Timothy Oliphant piece. There's a lot of other stuff in there I, I was uh, less interested in. Uh, Randy's death sequence, also top-notch. I also loved the film studies uh, class scene at the beginning. Yep. I will say that's a major criticism. This one did not have one of those, and I was very sad. And I know people like to a lot, so it's not that I dislike it. It's just like if and I'm the cop if, scene, the chart that there's, there's, yeah, there's the really cop, like, good. That's what I'm saying. That's where it puts wait, me to and three. That's, and that's where she Gail is in the college classroom in the mm -hmm. recording studio. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that that it's scene really is good. one of the best. It's really scene. good. Yeah. I feel like and then Hallie and Nev crawling over Ghostface getting the cops. Yeah, the cars. That's like just holding your breath because you don't want to like wait Ghostface. And when you think of one, like people think of one, and it's it's a. It, it set the tone, it set the foundation, it set the language, it set the lore. So and it's, I think it's still the best one. It's the best one. You know? But if you think yeah. about it on a piece, but many people don't die in that movie. You know, That's like true. there's a there's whole piece. It's a lot yeah. more just characters. And then the last four, 35 minute stint is just like mayhem, murder, 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 yeah. murder. But before that, there's the opening kill and then a lot of just bo po popping around with the characters. So there's not a lot of. Stab to stab per. No, per it's minute. okay though. That's why I like it. It's a it's a it's a whodunit. You're building up to the stabbing. That's true. Five does get a big leg up because I really did like the motive mm -hmm. in five so yeah. much. It was so yeah timely and relevant. And I was like, yep, this is the world we're living in right now. I could like in the same way that the scream motivations were believable in the '90s. I was like, yep, yeah, the motivations for these guys in 2022. That's yeah. feels pretty I believable. Feel like <laughs> our conversation last year surrounding it, I I don't know. That made me like the movie more too, because I think I kind of kind of burned it last year. But then after we talked about it and I listened to it, I was like, holy! Mm -hmm. Like I think I like five more. And I think it's funny because I think on your rankings, depending on where you rank two, I feel like six is going to be near it. Six and two are really close. Mm -hmm. that, that, really I, close. I will say those are I really agree. close for me. I, like I honestly could flip those and and feel just yeah. fine. And again, I think four. The last thing I'll say about that is. I really love the last 30 minutes of that movie. Like I love the last 30 minutes, everything yeah. in the final sequence at the house and in the hospital is just so good. Is the rest of the stuff. It's not as strong, but there's I, some cool kills though. Like the, across the, yeah, across the, the house, house from the window. Yeah, seat. The I don't know. Street. There's some good stuff in there. Yeah. Um, not as memorable. I would say as some of the others, but uh, sure. again, the, you say, what do you go to a screen movie? I like the reveal, the commentary, 
and right. walking away thinking about what the killers were at, you know, thinking yeah. about for weeks. So anyway, so to reiterate, I'm going to put this out there. So one, four, five, two, six, three. We're close. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Close. yeah. All right. Yeah. Again, I'm sorry, Laura. I know too. It's that very is, precious. That is okay. That is all right. <laughs> all right. But I'm glad you think about me whenever you watch the Lori Kept. Every <laughs> time I think about you now. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's good stuff. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, with that said, we're going to move into our spoiler discussion for the film. So if you do not want to be spoiled on Scream 6, go ahead and tune out now. <laughs> Why can't they find her pops, man? Because he's probably dead. His body will come popping up in the last reel somewhere. Eyes gouged out, fingers cut off, teeth knocked out. See, the police are always off track with this shit. If they'd watch prom night, they'd save time. There's a formula to it. A very simple formula. Everybody's a suspect. We did the same thing last year. I literally went back and listened to the episode and looked at the show notes. And we're going to start with the killer. Because I think this is where it's like a... For me, at least for it sounds like Laurent and I, it's a make or break. Not it doesn't ruin the movie, but it's definitely like this movie drops a whole letter, letter. by yeah. because of because it. Because yeah. of yeah. the, the so uh at the end of the film, it is revealed that Wayne Bailey, played by Dermot Mulroney, uh, is the father of the previous killer, Richie Kirsch. And the other two killers are his other two children, Ethan Landry, who's played by that kid from Avatar, and Quinn Bailey, <laughs> Liana Liberato. Brock was like, I recognize that kid from somewhere, and I didn't put my finger on it. And then <laughs> I looked funny. up, I was like, oh, shit, he's dreadlocks from Avatar too. Wow. Um, okay. Laurent, I'll start with you on this. What did you make of the reveal? What about it really knocked this movie down? I'm really not. I, I, look, the initial, like... There were so many theories going into that. We're in spoilers, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, the initial theories leading up to it, that it could be a cult of people or it could be, you know, like all these Internet things that kind of came on. And then we kind of get a tease of it, you know, um, whenever they're like double stabbing Chad, you know, like I was just like, whoa. And then, then in unison with the that gave me a. A moment where I mm-hmm. literally, I think I levitated. Yeah, <laughs> you know when that, that was awesome. when that that in sync. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, so I know there's three, but I don't know who they are. You know, like and so, or I had an idea about one, but learning that it was him. I don't. It's not really that it's these people. I don't. I, I'm. I would. I'm fine with anyone being the killer. Really, honestly, as long as the motive is inventive or interesting or says something. And I just feel like that's where it fell short. It just kind of collapsed under its own. Like you had all this set up, all these, these nice, you know, like you had the shrine and the, the callbacks to the entire franchise and all these things. And then all of it to just rehash the same plot as two. You know, essentially. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't notice it. Uh, Yeah, the motivation. The motivation is yeah. The motivation. It's a flip though. Oh, it's an inverse. It's very clever. Instead of a mom, it's a it's the dad dad and his kids and and the whole family's killing now. And it's like, but the motive is the same. It's like you killed my son in the last movie, so I'm I'm, and And it also takes place in a theater. Exactly. So it just kind of. I didn't. I didn't pick up on that. You're right. It is. It is. So they literally just found a way to like. I mean, and I get that too. I mean, uh, the first one, the last, the last, the predecessor was a rehash of the first one. But I had hoped that against hope that they would not just continue the same plotting for that because I really think there was a lot. This was ripe with potential for a whole host of different things. And I think it's not that it's a bad a bad motive. It's just that it's an uninspired motive. And when everything else was so strong in it, it just feels like the opening was so subversive. You know what I mean? Like how did you land on, 
on, you know what I mean, like bland oatmeal ending. You know, that's what I... Was well, that a rewrite after Nev left? And that's what I wonder. I was like, what was yeah. the motive with Nev? Like, maybe, yeah. I mean, did they just remove the familial element? And it just like, I don't, it just doesn't really, I don't know where she would have fit in this story, honestly. Yeah. Um, but Well, and the thing is, I don't think, you know, revenge is necessarily a, a bland motive, but you have to like really utilize that in a way that is meaningful. And, and you know, it's two... We, we use it kind of the idea of like, oh, underneath all of these like kind of like postmodern motivations for attention and fame and whatever. Yeah. Revenge is really still the driving force. Sure. Right. In this movie, though, it, I mean, they're not after they're they're just after revenge. They're not trying to get famous. Like there really isn't a lot to it. Yeah. I mean, um, they do tease it in the opening. You know, oh, the opening. Yeah. When they I mean, when they well, we can say it now when they kill one of the potential killers, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, he's like, well, what about the movies? Like, Who gives a fuck about movies? And that's the opening. That's when I so, that's when I was sure it was going to be Kirby. The so whole movie. They clearly. <laughs> I know. And you know what? I really am sad that they almost didn't. I know I, I want I didn't I didn't want it going in. But by the time the movie got to the end, I was like, you know what? I want them to go balls to the wall, make it Kirby, yeah. and just have yeah. her go ham. And I will live for that moment. And, like, I mean, it'll piss some fans off. It would have been better than what we they, got what I they, agree. What we got for Kirby. I feel the same. I was like, you know, like, so I, I would have actually been here for that if they did that. Like, I would have accepted it as a subversive, like, one of the core characters became the killer and not just some rando that you just introduced to us in this movie. You know what I mean? Like, so... That was my only thing. But, you know, it's a big thing because it is like kind of like it hinges kind of on that. But I really do think that this is such a good time leading up to it. And again, we get a lot more character development with the core cast that I I still enjoy this movie moment to moment than some of the other sequels. So, But the ending, I think one of the greatest things about the screen reveals, and the best ones, is it really recontextualizes the whole movie so that you're really experiencing it differently when you watch it the second time. I really don't think that the ending of this is going to like change yeah. the experience. If anything, I'm going to be more disappointed because that opening, that opening was so good. Yeah. Sets the bar so high. Yeah. yeah. Um, and doesn't, I just don't think they, they really paid that off. Uh, Chris, what, what did you think of the, uh, the reveal? Yeah. Well, piggybacking off of what you just said about recontext, like watching it again, how will it recontextualize the movie? If at all. And I think in addition to the lack of a motive, that's the other thing for me is that, I didn't feel like they were dropping very many red herrings or bread crumbs for us to follow anyone like, mm -hmm. which, you know, is usually one of the big perks of a screen movie. You're like, Oh, it's, it's gotta be him. Oh no, it's probably her. You know, it's mm -hmm. that sort of a thing. And this movie didn't really do that. Like outside of kind of accusing, uh, what is it? Ethan outside of the sort of joke that, you know, Mindy starts accusing yeah. Ethan of being which is ghost funny, face, but which still, is funny, but, but like, yeah, Outside of that, it didn't really feel like they were leaving trails for us to follow to try to find who it was, if that yeah. makes any sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. Which is why I think when you watch the movie again, it doesn't really recontextualize anything because they weren't, there's not a whole lot of like yeah. trails there for us to follow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of mystery. Not a lot sure. of mystery. Like yeah. the tension is great. The mm -hmm. sequences are great. Like you said, the character building is great. And those are, that's all why this film is so high for me. Um, but that that's what's lacking is that reveal and those breadcrumbs and the motive. Mm -hmm. In fact, in some ways, I'm actually kind of worried that when I watch it again, there's gonna be certain things that annoy me. Like, so for example, Ethan actually saves Mindy on the train, but he's one of the killers. Why would he, he like escorts her off and is like, call 911. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why would he do that? Yeah. He's the killer. One of the killers. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. It, it, it's like they did that just so we the audience would be thrown off the trail, him, yeah. right? But no, that's why it, it just so feels. You do get lazy. that one line from Mindy after she gets stabbed, though, and she was like, "Fuck, I was wrong again." But she wasn't she wrong. Was right. She yeah. was on to him that like from the first piece, and mm-hmm. like, which immediately for me was like, "Okay, well, it can't be him because everyone's saying it's him." You know, like, but it was. Mm-hmm. And they always say the screen movies tell you the ending in every movie if you just pay attention. Because like five, it was like, it's the love interest. You know, it's always a love interest. And then in this one, and she looks over at him, you know, he's like, he's a suspect. I can't remember when she's giving her a little monologue. She points it out like, and the one that we wouldn't suspect is this dude right here. You know, and like they point it to him, but we don't think it's him. Because what would his motive be? Mm-hmm. You know, but anyway. Right. Yeah. Brock, what did you think of the reveal? Uh, Just kind of lazy. Just retread of two and you wonder like is that a just a quick rewrite because of the nev stuff like how much how much did her departure change what was meant to be um i don't know the three was i guess was a different it was kind of cool and whenever you're like before they reveal you're like again with the hand swipe at the, in sync i was like that was that was really freaking cool um and then just realizing who it was i had like briefly in like the middle of the movie, whenever Quinn is quote unquote murdered, uh, how Dermot Mulroney acted, I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, he's the mm-hmm. killer. Cause he did, he seems faking being sad about his daughter being murdered. Mm. I was like, maybe he's just <clears throat> really bad at acting in this moment, but I wasn't sure. So I had him and then like, I kind of, you know, let go of it. But at the end, whenever it was revealed again, Ethan Landry, or has as he's known around my house, uh, low rent Evan Peters from Kick Ass, <laughs> <clears throat> and and his sister, they were just trying to be Stu Mocker, yeah. and they weren't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, like that really took me out of it. I was like, it's too much. Like how you're acting now is too much. Like mm-hmm. you're acting like a complete psychopath instead of like it being revenge. If it's revenge, it's more passion it's more you know sadness that's driving this more so than being just a complete lunatic yeah and so i don't know that kind of really took me out of it and i did see one thing i have like because you and that's the fun thing about scream that i'll get back to like you watch halloween kills or halloween ends and you're like okay yeah let's go see what just everyone thinks about this movie and everybody's just like i liked it I didn't like it. But with Scream, you go on Twitter, you go on threads, and you're like, okay, what did everyone see that I didn't see? Mm -hmm. Because there's so many little hints throughout movies. And somebody had posted, um, whenever Ethan and uh, Mindy's girlfriend were walking back from the Halloween party, and they had switched hats. And the girlfriend was wearing the helmet that he had made, and he was wearing the hat with a knife on it. Mm. And so it's just like, she's the one on the ladder scene that gets thrown off, hits her head, mm. dies. And it's just like, was he the killer in that scene in the new apartment? And it's like, is that like a little, a little thread? Yeah. And that's the only reason why I even talking about that just makes it a tiny bit better. Cause that would be a cool thread if it was. But other yeah. than that, the reveal was ter- probably the worst one of the entire, yeah, I put it down the there entire with, series. Yeah. Like, even Scream Three, which I didn't think was perfect, I can respect I, that, that Scream motive for being more one sense. killer makes more sense, and it's yeah. just one killer, which was different at the time. This one's just because it's three doesn't mean you can retread two. Yeah, no, that's all. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I just so let's 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 just pause and think this through. <laughs> I, I have a couple thoughts. Wayne Bailey wants to get vengeance 
because uh, his son, Richie, was murdered. So his approach to doing this is recruiting his other two children to go put their life on the line as murderers. Seems kind of like, I mean, I know Richie obviously <laughs> probably had bad dad, but it seems kind of like weird. Like, oh, we're going to, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to avenge my son by potentially getting my other two kids killed. Spoilers that he does get them killed. It, it, yeah. it just, it's just, we're in this section. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it just uh, doesn't, it's just weird. It's, it's kind of silly. Like the, on paper, the idea of, oh, a dad and his two cronies. Okay. I kind of see that yeah. potentially, but it just, there's nothing yeah. to it. And I'll be honest. Brock, you mentioned the bad acting that was clearly supposed to be bad acting. I didn't suspect him because I thought the actor was very bad. <laughs> like the Wh- whole movie. Which one? Uh, no, no. Dermot McMoroney. Oh, like Dermot the guy Mulroney. who played that. Like, mm. I, I didn't. He, he His acting was bad yeah. after his daughter died, but I just thought that was how he was the whole movie. Yeah. So I was like, well, his acting's way too bad. He's a throwaway cop character. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe that's part of the subversion, but I really was unimpressed, underwhelmed by that performance. So whenever reveal happened, I was like, oh, okay, well. Well, another thing that's weird that like now looking at our sheet. So Wayne Bailey, Quinn Bailey, daughter, Ethan Landry, son, Richie Kirsch, son. So did he change only him and his daughter's name to a different last name, but then he made his son change his son's last name to a different last name too, all just to do that? I don't know. There's a lot of names <laughs> changed. And is Richie Kirsch even his last name? Yeah. I mean, right. th- there's a lot of questions there <laughs> about that. Um, um, here's one thing that's... B minus. I, yeah. <laughs> I just dropped it. <laughs> so, I mean, and, and related to this though, I mean, it sounds like we're all underwhelmed to varying degrees. Uh, now, again, the reveal of the killer has traditionally been when the film makes clear... The criticism, the commentary, the satire, like what was the point that the killer was obsessed with? You know, what criticism is he lobbing at the horror genre or the state of pop culture? And I just have to be honest, I didn't see it like at all. That's just my take. I I really didn't think there was much or anything there. And I know there's we get a little monologue from Indy about franchises, but I didn't think. Which was a good monologue, to be fair, but like you it, said, it was a good monologue. The connective tissue. It would yeah. be a good monologue if the movie actually followed. Like that's the thing; it did sure. not follow the, yeah, like the points that she laid out. Unlike if you go back to Scream One, when Randy Randy actually tells you the whole movie in the video store. Yeah, he lays out what the rules are, yeah. who the killers are. Like it's it's all there. Yeah, it felt it, glossed over here. Yeah, like yeah. it felt more important in Five, and it felt kind of quickly stated here i don't know yeah. well also we're only 14 months later right so it's what true. do we have to comment it's, on 14 I, that, year, that 14 was, months and that's the bone or the that's lifeline the i would give it the, yeah the lifeline i give this one is that it was it was streamlined so quickly like what happened in a year that would change well and see this is where we, when we talked about this last year too yeah why why make a screen movie if you don't have something to say if you don't have something to say well, there's kind of something i don't know if it ties into the killers as much because they're the ones that did the smear campaign on Sam. Yeah. Like saying she was the she was crazy and she's her she's turning into a killer. And so they're trying so in 5, she's a survivor, she's a hero. Yeah. Right? She's a person that's supposed to be lifted up. And so if you think of 5 aftermath, the actual people commenting on 5 shitting all over Melissa Berea, mm-hmm. villainizing her in a way whenever she's supposed to be a hero. It's like did they take something from that and be like, okay, she was the hero in 5. And so they're like the real killers, people, you know, are shitting all over her 
Mm-hmm. In six, like trying to like bring her down, but then like in six, she actually gets a really good storyline and is, yeah. builds back up. So it's like, is there a commentary there of just like people online? Well, yeah, they're shifting a narrative to their right. own point to try and like, bring yeah, down. maybe maybe if they'd gone a little more down the road of character assassination, yeah, like yeah. cancel culture mm-hmm. is kind of what they did a little bit, a little bit, and like you, you have to be careful because I think if you go too far with it, it it that would have been a problem for me too. Yeah, but, right. but that is something that they did work into this one that wasn't a part of the last one that is different from from the last 20 years is cancel cancel culture. I hate mm-hmm. even saying it, but, mm-hmm. you know, assassinating somebody's character online, whether or not they've done anything. Yeah, is, right. Well, and, and how, again, maybe this maybe they see I mean, they play this out more in the next one uh, because, yeah. How the cancel again? This this is yeah. You're right. You're, you're, you're so playing with fire. Just, you're so playing with fire because it, yeah. it's like because the idea is that the people online put a whole smear campaign. The killers put a smear smear campaign on her, but that is what is pressing her towards becoming the thing that people are accusing her of. Yeah, being. that was all I could pull. Like that's why I loved. That's what made me love five more is when we were sitting here talking, talking about toxic fan culture. Yeah, and what we were talking about and what we were saying. I even had that moment where I was like. This is what Scream Five is. Is what we're saying. Like all this, like all the negativity we're saying. Somebody could listen to this, yeah. take that, and then go do their own <laughs> crazy thing with it. Because <laughs> if they're true. listening to this, they're a fan of it, and then that could warp their mind as to what we're saying. And so it was. That was just like that moment right there. I was like, holy shit, Scream Five is actually amazing. And yeah. I, there just wasn't that thread here aside from trying to take down a hero to be a villain. Just yeah through sheer posts online and just people picking it up and running with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They had a lot to do with the space and the, and like I said, like building the characters, building the, 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 the setting, building the, but they didn't have a lot to say, you know what I mean? In terms of, like you said, in terms of the franchises, in terms of what have you, what I do like about it is that it seems to be like, if scream 2022 was, you know, an homage or a tribute to Wes, I feel like Scream 6 is for the fans specifically um, because this one looks very inward, you know, in terms of all of its commentary is referencing the Scream franchise, mm-hmm. you know, literally. I mean, there's a shrine for every single one of the movies. We're bringing back legacy characters. They're talking about every theory that we thought we were going to get with the last one. Which that was probably another mm-hmm. the, yeah. the clever touch. Like, I, I yeah. feel like almost every kind of like weird Internet fan theory, yeah. they kind of. Stu's still alive, if you believe that. You know, like mm-hmm. she says that, you know, we had a great moment with... And the um, cult thing you mentioned earlier, where you, like, you walk thing. into the shrine, you're like, yeah. oh, snap. Yeah. You know, she does say in her monologue, she was like, everyone's expendable. There's no rules. They're all out the... W-. Maybe they're saying that... Maybe the commentary is that as franchises continue on, there's less and less to say about franchises, and even including this movie. You know, I don't know. You know, because it's a sequel to, you know, a new iteration. It's the second in the reboot, you know, and maybe, you know, the more you make these movies, there's the, like the less there is commentary, you know, I don't know, you know, like, but that doesn't make for a very, um, thrilling commentary though on the whole film. Right. You know, so. Our commentary is that there's no more commentary. Left. Exactly. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, let's, let's shift gears here a little bit. I mean, I, I feel like I opened with sort of like the elephant in the room that we need to get out of the way, but yeah. there was a lot that worked in this movie. And, oh, yeah. you know, I, I guess a question I have is we feel like the ending was unsatisfying, but there are a lot of elements here that are really strong. So, you know, 
do we think that Scream Six is adding an extra layer of meta by critiquing franchise franchises, or is it a series of incomplete ideas? And what I mean is, let's start with something we all sound like we agree on. The movie opens with an extremely subversive opening, featuring a seemingly lame opening, <laughs> followed by a super interesting call to the first killer we see, and then oh no, the scream killer is being scream murdered on the phone. Um. How did that set the table for you guys, Chris? Oh, dude, like 10, however long that opening is, I would like, as soon as this title comes up, I'm like, oh, this is, this is going to be a lot of fun because not only was what did it seem like a, if you want to call it boring opening, um, not only did it seem kind of boring at first, but I also enjoyed the fact that if you really think about it, as you're watching it, it's, I think it's the first one where she's not being chased. She's, she's going to the killer. Mm-hmm. So he's calling her and coaxing her out of the restaurant. Yeah. And so as it continues, it's like, okay, this isn't this isn't as dull as we as I thought it was going to be at first. And I love that it was Samara weaving too. Yeah. By the way, that's I kind of twenty twenty three's Drew Barrymore a little bit. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, who was like the star of Ready or Not. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then yeah, once you once he pulls his mask off in the alleyway, you're immediately I gasped. like, what? I was like, whoa, yeah. whoa, what yeah. are you doing? No, what's happening? I don't want to know yet. I don't want to know yet. <laughs> right, exactly. Are we gonna follow you the whole movie? Yeah. What happened after the Grand Budapest Hotel? Oh my gosh! <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then yeah, obviously, then the second call in his apartment. It was just it was what a great way to set up when mm-hmm. when you're going into it. Like, how are they gonna impress me? Mm-hmm. We have no Nev. This is Scream Six. <laughs> right. How are, what are you going to do for me? Right. You know? And so I, it fantastic opening, not, I wouldn't say the best just because the Drew Barrymore one is agree, so yeah. classic. Yeah. It's so surgically constructed, but, and of course I love the scream Two movie theater opening I do too. too. I do too. Yeah. But in terms of subverting me, you know, man, what a great, what a great opening. Yeah. I also am very partial to Scream 4's opening myself, but uh, that's just a movie. Like I said, there's there's merit in all of them except there maybe are. three. Three is the weak one. Three is like, that's, okay. That's yeah. where they, they committed the cardinal sin of ki- killing off car, uh, Cotton Weary. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> long may he live in peace. Yes. <laughs> or dot, rest in peace, whatever. <laughs> um, Brock, I mean, what did you think about the opening? I love, I mean, everybody loves the opening. And it's, it's hard because you're like, oh, it was probably the best opening since one. And then you're like two. You're like, oh, shit. Okay, maybe it's the third best opening. <laughs> but the opening uh, is the exact opposite of the ending because it's fantastic. Yeah. And what's cool is like when that guy does pull off his mask, you're like, oh, we're seeing who the killer is. But it's like you're seeing every other movie. You're seeing the motive. You're seeing who it is. Mm-hmm. You're seeing mm-hmm. everything in the first 10 minutes of what was potentially – going to be Ghostface. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that movie was like if that movie was different, that would that would have been the entire movie. But in the first 10 minutes, you see the entire movie play out and then actually that person's killed and there's a different ghost face. It was on par kind of with with the Drew Barrymore opening. It was something that because you, you thought Drew Barrymore was the lead for the for mm-hmm. the for the movie. Like you for the posters were all her the, the right. trailer was all her. And so you're just led down that path and then it's completely shifted. And that's what, I mean, six was, that's why I think maybe that's why it's better than two, because you're completely pulled in a direction you think you're going and then just shifts completely. When that phone rings, when he gets home and that phone rings, you're like, oh shit, it's not him. Right. So just, I don't know. Fantastic. Really cool. Yeah, I uh, I like that it was also one of Richie's friends. Again, it, yeah, Brock, that easily could have been the sequel story is, oh, his Online internet buddies want to finish the film. 
is that a better movie than what six turned out I, to be? Maybe I, I don't know. Same everything, but that's the ending. Yeah. I don't know. Sorry, but it was a cool opening though. It was a cool opening. I it will say it sets that, that's the other thing. It set the bar so high. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, this movie is going to do some and interesting stuff. Maybe know? what would have been cool is if we got the reveal, you know, of that ghost face, and then we get the other cup, the other people. We get to follow one of the ghost faces the whole time, and he we're aware that he is. And then at the end, you realize there's two other people as well that were, yeah. you know, and that would have been and more every interesting. Every conversation he has through the movie talking with somebody, you're like, oh, wait, okay. He's right, talking. Is right. it? Yeah. Yeah. That would have been a cool subversion mm, yeah. where you think he's, you think you know the killer the whole time because they show him in the first act and then, and then there's actually three. That yeah. would have been, that would have been a little bit more interesting, a little bit more of a, a jaw drop for me. I it, will say one more thing is that the Leanna Liberato, the what became one of the killers. Yeah. I, only suspected her because as I learned in every single Scream movie, if they're killed off screen, they're not, they're dead. not dead. Right. They're yeah. not dead. Hello, Kirby. Was she killed off? She was <laughs> well, thrown through a wall. not killed off screen, but basically like if you don't see, yeah. You don't like, see yeah. them dead. You don't see them dead. Okay. So I was like, you know what? We didn't watch her die. So I'm, okay. I'm skeptical, but I also didn't know how she would fit into it. So I was kind of like on the fence, but I at least thought of it. Cause I was like, that doesn't make sense. We would have seen her get butchered. Why did we see that off yeah. screen? Speaking of, Red herrings that, that were technically there, but they really didn't do much with uh, the boyfriend next door was just kind of there. And I'm kind of like, did we need him? I don't know. Yeah. Is he going to be he in the had the ladder? <laughs> he, he did have the ladder. It's true. And why does he have a ladder? He's in New York and he's in his house. He so. looks construction-ish. Okay. That's fair. I don't mean he's buff, you know. Yeah. He's he looks like he he climbs yeah. ladders for his workout every day, you know. Would have been cool if he like got all the way across and they got the ladder and then he started stabbing people. I'm like, <laughs> oh, huh? Yeah. Surprise. Thanks for coming to me. And then the other ghost face on the other side just waving, like you know. I mean, if anything, he's the growth of Sam for her trauma of finally being able to like trust a boyfriend again. Right. Yeah. But that's it. It would have been nice if they did more with him. Yeah, I agree. right. That's kind of where I'm at. I, I was like, yeah. he was there, and I didn't like dislike him, but I was like, I just feel like he's a nothing burger. He was very supportive when Sam was like, "Nah, it could. Nah, you're not coming in. It could be you." He's like, yeah. "I understand." I mean, <laughs> okay. I guess it's kind of Tamir. You know, Scream Two, the boyfriend. You know, is it yeah, Jerry O'Connell? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Where he does, he's also a nice guy that kind of gets that Sydney's not yeah. trusting yeah. him. You know, what I do like about his character, the one thing I do like is that. It, it adds some depth to her because we get to see her growth in real time because, one, we don't think she's dating anybody. Then you learn, okay, she's actually doing this on the side. But then when she says to him, like, he gives her the advice, don't trust anybody. Yeah. You know, like, don't even trust me. And then the one time they're getting ready to go to the shrine at the end, she's like, don't trust anybody, remember? Mm-hmm. And then she's taking his advice. She's mm-hmm. just, so we get to see her kind of an evolution of her character, you know, you know, take, you know, learning learning a lesson, you know, in the moment and not making the dumb decision to bring the dude you don't know to the yeah. shrine at the end of the movie. And I was surprised that she they followed through with that, you know. So that was kind of a nice moment, but again, that was more for Sam's character than for him, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Well, on the note of, so we, we start from a real high, amazing opening, and then we get the iconic, it's in every franchise, the rules explanation we get from Mindy Meeks Martin um early in the film. So, again, this film is supposed to be riffing on franchises. We've already talked about it quite a bit, so I don't want to spend too much time here, but I do want to dive in just a little bit. Like, do you guys think this movie successfully satirizes franchises? Because I kind of like the rules don't they do check out to a certain degree, which is everything's episodic now. I'm like, okay, we're we're checking that box. But I felt like most of the other rules pretty much were 
the same as the rules in the last movie, which is like no one's safe. Legacy yeah. characters, new characters. Like, wait, I didn't we didn't we establish that in the last movie? But I don't know. I don't know. So I just want to get you guys to take on, you know, I don't think this movie plays by those rules at all. Unlike the previous, most of the previous screen movies. I think it's, I think it satirizes the franchise. Well, I don't think it satirizes franchises. Well, if that makes sense, like, you know, like franchises in general, but I think that this is fan service through and through, you know, we get like, again, we get every theory, every, every weird thing, Stu's not dead again, you know, um, the cult story, all those things come into the fray. Um, so I think that that's, that was, that was fun as a fan. Cause it's like re, you know, playing with your knowledge of all of these movies. Cause it is referencing, you know, everyone and everything that we've ever heard. Um, so that's interesting in its own way, but I don't feel like as a whole that it has more to say about franchises in general. Um, and then again, I don't know what I would have done differently. Um, I don't know what commentary they could have had on franchises, but except the general fatigue for things going on for too long, <laughs> you know. So I don't know, you know. Chris Brock, any thoughts on the franchise monologue or how the movie does or doesn't play by the rules? Yeah, I mean, my my only thought is um, how how do you satirize a franchise when? when the only thing we all know, like you said, is that it, it the quality deteriorates. <laughs> yeah. This thing goes on. You know, like if you're not making, if you're trying to make a great movie, which yeah. you always are, then how do you, how do you bring in like, cause you know what I mean? Like, I, this was the thing is I don't know what the solution is. I don't, yeah. How, how I, do you, how do you do that in a, in a good film? Because on one hand I'm like, well then just take out the, monologue about the rules but i'm like no but, but then that's, we'd all be complaining about that. exactly because yeah. that's like i'm complaining of, it wasn't enough because it right, wasn't as much as fun. right 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 well and, be, and because it's it's a staple of to your point it's a staple of the scream franchise you've got to have that scene in every movie yeah you gotta have an opening you gotta have the rules you gotta have a ghost if face they were gonna do it like because of what she says like, like again like five was awesome because it's like we're a reboot but we're a sequel and they coined the requel which was that was like oh that was really cool and in this one she says the same thing no one's safe and so but everyone kind of was like, I never really felt even when Chad was getting stabbed a whole lot of times, I was like, I do. Cause I mean, Dewey, dude, I don't know how he survived. That. I don't know how, like we saw, we saw, that. we saw Dewey get stabbed, beat up pretty bad, but like we saw them two people on both sides of his abs. I was like, blood <laughs> gushing yeah. out of his dead. mouth. But if there was going to be any sense to the ending, whenever she's talking about franchises, she would have been like, cause there's been so many screams. It's, it's like, eventually you're going to have to recycle ideas. Yeah. If she would have said something mm -hmm. like that, like, because yeah. there's so many, you have to like, there's you, there has to be some retread of an idea you've done in a previous installment. We're running out of creative ideas. We're running out of, how, yeah. She's how, like, that's a complaint we say a and lot. And so mm -hmm. that would have been a little bit more, fun if then like it would have been them because it's like oh she commented that and like that's something we didn't catch because you wouldn't immediately go to scream too no. you would go to every screen prior if you're actually thinking in that line because then you still wouldn't know then you would start questioning all these different people instead of having no clue yeah. you would have a little bit more of a clue to then start pointing fingers at different people and how they would connect to previous screams mm -hmm. and so i don't know that could have been a getter but, but again you don't know that he has a son and a daughter but I don't know. I feel like that would have been a better way to satirize. I mean, at this point, I think that would have, because it would have, at that point, you don't know which set of rules to trust. Do you trust the, yeah. oh, we're tired or fatigued or, oh, no one's safe? And I think both things can be true, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I think that, that's a good note, Brock. Hmm. 
Um, okay. Should have wrote this. <laughs> oh, you talking made me think of it. So <laughs> Scream Seven, they're hiring right now. Got no, I'm just joking. <laughs> right. Uh, it, would be, it would be terrible if I was involved. So Kirby would come back, and she would just be the star the whole time. So. <laughs> Kirby would just come back. Would that be terrible? The the right. The if, if if she was Scream Six, Kirby, yes. The, the, <laughs> The will, I mean, I don't know, like, the the real kind of surprise here, a subversion for me here, was that all of the core characters survive. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, no. that that was the, the big thing. I, and, and the legacy, and the and, legacy sequels. Well, that's, the legacy char- so, characters. So, man, you're right. Fans are impossible to please. On one hand, it is kind of subverting expectations that the core four all survived, especially when we think that Randy died and two, you know. On the other hand, it felt like they kind of had plot armor now. Where you're like, well, they can't die. They're one of the core four. Like Chad could have died. Yeah, no, Chad could have. He could have died. No, he could have died. And I would have. And it could have still it been, had an emotional. Been, I'm, I'm also okay. Sad. I'm also okay that he didn't because I really love him in this. But I, but I, yeah. I just feel like if anybody's gonna if, die, it should have been these, him. Yeah, and that could have been the yeah, the yeah. the one of the core four. Then re- the one who coined core four is the one who goes. Yeah, now they're the three. <laughs> and they they do it in memory of him. Hey, okay, I think that takes us into like the next main topic. I, I really want to focus on, which is. The thing I think this film does the best, which is it firmly establishes the Woodsboro survivors from Scream Five as the new main characters, largely through their shared trauma. Uh, so I, I, I got to ask you guys, Chris, I'll start with you. I mean, what did you think of this film's exploration of the idea of bonded together through tragedy? Because we see this in the opening, not the opening sequence, but the first sequence with the main characters. You're like, these guys, they got each other's back, man. They're in New York City. They're looking out for each other. What, what did you think about this? Yeah, it's really great. And also... Um, a good offset to the last film because it all felt a little bit disjointed in the last film with the sister, um, Sarah, Sam, Mm -hmm. Sam just coming back and she's kind of an outsider with them. And so it's her and Richie and, you know, Tara's sidelined in the hospital for so much of that movie and it just all felt very disjointed. So it was really nice to sort of get them all together and it gave them more of an opportunity to come into themselves. Like we were saying now that, Nev is gone, um, gave them more of an opportunity to come to themselves. And also, you know, I don't, they don't necessarily, it seems like they go, they went into the whole trauma thing more in this movie than they have in the past. Like, even though we know it's a fact with those pre, with the legacy characters, they, they vocalize and speak about it a little bit more in this one. I feel like, um, so I, I appreciated that. I liked Mm -hmm. it. Um, Laron? Yeah, I agree. I think it's just, it. they just seem more layered here. You know, I, I the things that bugged me about Melissa Barrera, not just the performance, but even just the way that they were kind of creating that character. Like, I wasn't in love with the, you know, the her seeing Billy Loomis in the, in, you know, that didn't quite land for me. I know what they were going for, but it just didn't quite, the new the execution of it wasn't there for me. But I really liked it. it wasn't a bug for me in this one because um, one, it's not overplayed. It seems like he comes in when it's needed and when it makes sense, and that he didn't just de- you know completely abandon it since you did introduce it in the last one. So at this time, I'm like I embraced all of the things they were trying to do with her, and she was also given a lot more mm-hmm. to do in this in terms of like she's able to be a little bit more sassy. Like I love her first phone call. She's like right in. She's like you know I killed the last dude. She's not even fucking around. Like yeah. right away, we're not getting into the theatrics you know so i love that right before the bodega scene she's already like ready to fight you know so um so i was rooting for her and i just think that the dynamic between her 
and her sister was really strong. Jenna Ortega, who really was the runaway star of the last one, kind of gets sidelined a little bit here. She's still great, you know. Like I just she's she's not given as much to do, but what she gets to do is pretty good. Right, exactly. And then, like I said, Chad was only gets a couple of comedic scenes in the last one. In this one, he kind of seems like the protector of Mm -hmm. the group, Mm -hmm. you know. And then, like I said, and then Mindy's just a blast because she's just you know. You know, I love Jasmine Savoy Brown. So um, I just, I, yeah, I love their dynamic. I thought it was really strong. And again, I think like I, I didn't want any of them to die. So in a way I'm happy, but in a way I'm also like, but it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's like, but so, you know, I'm I'm on the fence, but I, I, I definitely thought the ex- exploration of trauma made the dynamic between them so much more impactful and so much more engaging mm-hmm. than the last well, one. Well, and when they inevitably continue it, when somebody dies, we're going to feel it a exactly. lot more now. Someone exactly. has to die in the next one, right? Yeah, which I'm fi- which is great. Yeah, I'm yeah. cool. But it's like when that happens, it's going to mean a lot more then than it would have in this movie, I think, for me. Because we just these char- we just didn't know these characters as well mm-hmm. as I That's would true. like to. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that goes back to Five, that kind of being disjointed with yeah. Nev and Gail kind of on their side quest with these people. Uh, I would have been okay with Chad dying. Not because I do not like his character. I He is fantastic. I love his character. Uh, he's a great actor. He's very charming and easy easy to like. Um, but yeah, you go with the with the trauma. Like whenever you go through something that nobody else has gone through, of course, like you're bonded to those people because no one else can experience or have the feeling that you're feeling, you know, going through like a set of murders. And they tried to do it in three, but they then turned it into Nev seeing her ghost mom like all the time, which kind of... It was it was it was kind of out of place. For yeah, the, it kind of took away from yeah. her dealing with her trauma. Yeah. Um. But yeah. And then Jenna Ortega was never supposed to. I don't feel like she was ever supposed to be the star of five either. Like uh, yeah. Melissa Brea was the star of five too. Just Jenna Ortega is just the best actress in the world <laughs> in getting stabbed. Like whenever that opening <laughs> scene was one of my favorites because it's just like that was the scariest one I've ever seen because she. It literally seemed like she was dying and getting stabbed. It was it was brutal and crazy. And then again, Sam had no character arc. She had no yeah nothing to work with in that script. And so this one again kind of tears in the background. Like she was in the background in five. She was in the hospital most of the time. And in this one, she doesn't have as much screen time as Sam either. And Sam really kind of carries it with what they're given to her. She took it and ran with it, and she did good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think you guys have said all there is to be said about the the. the bonded together through trauma I, again and it's just so great to see a theme that was in the uh, the previous films get passed on in this new series with these new characters in a way that feels really 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 genuine and authentic you know i mean i i do wonder if thinking about nev campbell if they were to bring her back how her arc would butt up against I, that's what I'm saying I really don't think they should bring her back she I, needs to be the opening kill in has, seven it has to be a they're competing I with really, each other I really really hope that, that we were going to get a cliffhanger here Gail was going to call her or something and we were the, you know you know, she was going to answer and she's like what is it Gail and then it's like the killer on the phone or something and then end it there I'm like and then open with the next movie being her you know that would, I would have loved something like that yeah. you know like make a her the killer or make her the first yeah. something that they, she that's, doesn't, another, that's another theory they bring up is like yeah. you know Gail you would have been a great killer you know like he's talking to her but on that's the another phone. fan theory right like was, another fan theory is yeah. like one of the core people are going to be and I just like that they touched on all this so that they can yeah. you know it's just that was that was that was fun, but that was more fan service than commentary. You know? Well, speaking of which, let's talk about how they utilize the legacy characters here. So we have Gail and Kirby who are both back and their roles. 
Um, both of them very small supporting roles, but uh, notable in particular. Okay, so I don't listen. I guess I stepped on some toes earlier. <laughs> you know, Courtney Cox is fun. I'm glad she's here. She her her scene on the phone was pretty great. Let's just be honest. You know, I don't know who her boyfriend was. He was some big jack dude who had two <laughs> it was lines a blow up from David Arquette. But <laughs> yeah. my God, I mean, well. I love I love David Arquette, but I'm just saying. <laughs> what if it was Quinn that got that killed him? <laughs> I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> I just but see that was that's if you rewatch Scream Five, that's one of the issues is you realize Amber killed uh, David Arquette, yeah. uh, Dewey. And she's like four foot. And, and when you rewatch that, yeah. you're like, oh, there's no know, man. Yeah. That's there's kind no of way. a Scream Two rock rock thing for me yeah, <laughs> yeah it's the a height yeah, difference she, yeah. she camera angles man it, it's, it's an illusion yeah well, not just the height difference but just the strength yeah like Dewey amber's going taken, down like this taken and, her yeah yeah <laughs> you know so yeah d- definitely notable but what you guys think about how they utilize gail in this movie in particular again i didn't dislike it i liked it here i don't think it's i don't think it's i think it adds a little bit of something it wasn't necessary but it was fun right i think they gave her a moment I don't think throughout the story she was completely necessary in the plot in terms of just like we see her show up again, you know, as a reporter. Like those scenes for me, the, the it weren't integrated as organically as I would have hoped. But when we got to the call scene, I really think we get a good Courtney Cox performance. Yeah. Uh, you know, what what he says to her, the way he's psychologically like breaking her down you know, about the loss of Dewey, you weren't there for him, all this kind of thing. You know, just that was, it was just a really well-executed, like, like tense scene. So I enjoyed it for that moment. And they gave the fans, like, the Gale call, because weirdly she's never had one with Ghostface in all these movies, and we got one to remember her by, you know. So I also think, as much as I didn't want her to, to die going into the movie, I think it would have had more of an emotional impact if she had. And then you would have a reason to bring Sydney back. Because that could be Sydney the coming, you, you know, yeah. you know, her the last of the the core three. So I, I got to say, I mean, we'll see what the next movie does. But uh, that's a big pet peeve of mine. And storytelling in general is like, oh, we're going to air quotes, kill someone. They get a death scene. But then it's like, oh, but actually, they're fine. They're OK. Just in case we want to bring them back. Yeah, they're OK. I, I don't know. That that does. Yeah. That did really irk me. Not they a, did that not, twice, too. They yeah. did it with Chad and her. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. At the same time, like Chad and so and so are fine. Yeah. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah. And Mindy. Wait, and, Mindy. and Mindy got stabbed, too. Don't wait, forget wait, that. Wait, what? Oh, yeah, exactly. Like everyone, literally everyone basically died, but didn't, you know. That's so. why it was hard. Like, that's what that's another thing aside from the reveal. It's just there didn't seem to be any like worry for anybody. You're like, oh, like we find in like you know two Stake, weeks. the stakes are a little lower yeah the stakes were lower despite having some pretty vicious kills and like big uh, chase sequences i feel like the body count in this might be the lowest of the series yeah, yeah the actual deaths yeah. yeah 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 well what's weird is i mean you thought gail had something to do whenever she pinpointed the shrine back to the two opening scene killers mm-hmm. when really the dermot mulroney just put them in their name but then and this just goes to it Gail had more to do than Kirby because Kirby couldn't find it. She's FBI. Yeah. So her detective skills are fucking awful. <laughs> uh, but I thought Gail was good. Like the, the fake out punch where yeah. Perea yes. goes for it, misses, yep. and then That's Tara great. gets the punch. Great. That was laugh out loud. Fantastic. Also, kind of, it was kind of amazing because I, I j- had just watched Scream 5 that afternoon before seeing Scream 6. And she's like, at the end of it, she's like, 
I'm not going to write a book. I'm going to instead write yeah. about the cop here. So okay, it's I, her last yeah. line. But it's <laughs> who she's been for the entire series, and Dewey dying's not going to change that. Yeah, that's how she's I gonna, feel. Yeah, like that's just going to be. I who feel like she it's is. the way she's coping. And yeah. she yeah. has two loves. She always did, and she was like, I'm, "If I'm going to sit here and wallow," she wallowed a lot in five. At, yeah, you know. So it's like this make one, a lot of money from it. Yeah. Good. It's a distraction. It's yeah. No, no. And then, I, I don't judge her. I think it's perfect. I, yeah. That was a nice touch. Yeah. You yeah. know, she got that bite again. And then her know. putting Ghostface on hold. That, like, yeah. we yeah. laughed. We laughed out loud. Like, it, it, it cracked us up. That's up there with fantastic. Sydney. Like, I'm bored. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was he, great. he goes, What? <laughs> you know, when she does it, too. <laughs> wasn't prepared for this. And then, my beloved Kirby. If you listen to our retrospect, you know that I love Hayden Panettiere. Mm-hmm. I love Kirby in four. She was wronged in six. Yeah, she <laughs> was. So. Bringing her back as an FBI agent who wears leather and black boots. I literally said, Brock, out loud in the theater. She's like, I'm FBI. I was like, audibly, no way. Yeah. It. I mean, it It killed me because, I mean, her, all of her snarkiness and her charm and everything she had in four was gone. Totally gone. And I mean, who knows if that was a character choice or just, you know, kind of what she's been through as a person and then coming back to this. I'm not going to say anything on that because I, I do. I love her. I think she was one of my favorite characters from the entire series. But I just feel like they didn't give her enough. And that made me sad because I was so excited for her to come back. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just one of those things where I I like the idea of an FBI agent or at least law enforcement, because, you know, she got almost died and now she wants to come back and, and make sure that she catches killers. Like that kind of makes yeah. sense. Right. Uh, but man, she just like, like everything, everything that made her stand, stand out in four was completely absent. In my opinion, um, we get two tastes. The one thing I love is the, the, the little scene with her and Mindy when they're like, yeah. ranking movies together. Right. I was like, that's that like the one callback. It's like, the okay, one, yeah. We, yeah, we get that. And that's the reason why I wish she was the killer. I'm not because I didn't, I didn't want that going into it. I just think that then we could have said we utilized that character and she wasn't just here for the fans. I was happy to see her, but I agree if you, she didn't necessarily need to be here, Yeah, you know? Um, and, but I, again, I, I, I liked her, but I do agree. I think it's probably more so a lot of, a lot has happened to that, person she's been stabbed like you see we get a little little emotional notes you know like when she's like looking at the knife that stabbed her mm-hmm. you know what i mean like little moments where you're like okay she's been through a lot she's not who she used to be before and i agree there's a little bit of disappointment with that because you you yeah. you're such you're used to seeing her as this like bright like like zippy kind yeah. of yeah. and here she's very it's very dialed back i would like, rather her be like a a, 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 like a movie reviewer or like a, a columnist, like to like review plays yeah. or something. I also should be York. a film professor, you know, like yeah. she went to become Some, that. Yeah, that would have been, yeah. Or she goes at the other way college, at the university. At the university, at the university yeah. holy hell. And then you Again. get the classroom scene that we, mm-hmm. that we were missing. Get yeah. us in that writer's room. Um, <laughs> Yeah, she's the she's we got the, the writer's room right here. She's she's the substitute for Samara Weaving after she's there. You go. <laughs> they, bring, they bring her in. Yeah, I mean, you know, I you guys are not wrong about the way she was used and how she's kind of almost a different character, right? Um, but I really, for whatever reason, I didn't mind it because, like, the thing is, is in Scream, there's always a little bit of something that's a little cartoony mm-hmm. or a little cheesy in a way, like Dewey constantly surviving every thing yeah. he ever goes through and his little theme song and just 
Arquette's overall performance in the first three mm-hmm. or four movies mm-hmm. is always a little bit like, I don't know if over the top is the word, but you know, it's yeah. a little bit. Yeah, it's a little silly. It's a little silly. It's not um, nuanced. <laughs> and and you've got like, you know, Billy's mom is a little silly. And and so her being a leather clad FBI agent was just kind of this movie is a little silly for me. Okay. So that's that's why I, I take didn't... a special interest in Ghostface. Ghost. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's so... the only reason I joined. <laughs> it's like So you guys aren't wrong. Just but in I'm case just saying never happened again. <laughs> that's why it didn't that's why it didn't kill me. And as far as Gail goes, I mean I it's kind of like Nev Campbell a little bit. Like you got Courtney Cox in the movie. I'm I'm good with that. Like yeah. it didn't feel shoehorned to me. And she didn't have a whole lot to do, but there was yeah. enough to there was enough to give to I think the things that were sacrificed for the the characters that we really wanted to see the legacy characters essentially is is where you know the the disconnect is because like we were so happy to see the core four established in this one because they won yeah. in the last one in this one we get kind of less of the legacy characters where it's like this kind of direction it's going to have to go at some point these have to bleed off because otherwise they're not going to be integrated organically. Right. They just feel like they're there to hang out at this exactly. point. You know, yeah. and it's not that like, I'm like, yeah, I'm still glad Courtney Cox is hanging out, but like she doesn't need to be here. She doesn't have to be here. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well guys, this has been a great conversation. Last thing I have to ask, you know, before we wrap up, where do we go from here with scream? Uh, because I, for one, in terms of like what these films have to say, I'm, I'm pretty down on it as you've heard that the conversation, um, but, you know, this movie was uh, the biggest opening weekend for the franchise yet. So, you know, they're going to be making more of these things. So just a question for you all. Brock, I'll, I'll start with you on this. I mean, do you think this film has enough to say about the state of horror and pop culture to justify doing more? Or do you is there a unique angle that you think they could take with seven that would kind of like reinvigorate kind of where they're at with the story? No, I mean, I definitely think they can keep going. And it's funny you say six is the biggest opening since three when those are on my bottom two. So the mm-hmm. bottom two of mine are mm-hmm. the two biggest money makers. Um, so that just shows you that there's nowhere to go, but up from here there's more. No, I mean, I think uh, the fans feed the machine. Yeah. I think they literally take commentary after every movie they put out, they put that through a filter and then they maybe even try to find little, little threads that they can pull and see how that works into a system. Because I mean, they're obviously, honestly, every movie is about, horror fans and horror movies and how they are perceived and how they are, you know, established. And it's like, what more than that, than people who feed on them and just gorge them and love horror movies. And like, because they have so many, you know, different places to look and read through. So, I mean, they can keep going as long as they can keep finding little threads to pull. I think there's definitely commentary that they can keep. I mean, they seem like really smart guys. Like all of their movies, the past two screams have been fantastic. They've been smart. This one, I understand not as much, but uh, no, keep going. I'm, I'll be there. I'll be podcasting on it all the way. Oh, you know it. You know it. When it comes retrospect at thirteen, <laughs> we'll watch all twelve of them again. <laughs> you know it. I mean, haven't announced. They have not. I don't think uh, they have. They've announced seven. They're they, going to start shooting in October. Oh, did they what? really? Holy yeah. cow! I didn't even hear that, and I'm a scream fan. <laughs> right, same. That's all what right. I read. They're going right. to start shooting in October. Uh, okay. So I guess this is going to be out in 14 months. Uh, <laughs> I was, get, well, I was getting ready to say like this, the, I think the next se- sequel would benefit from some distance. I, I agree. But yeah, for if sure. we're getting it, we're getting it, you know, like, but yeah, I think, cause I do think like there needs to be some breathing room and there really are, I mean, the horror movie landscape changes every, I'd say three to five years. There's a swath of new kinds of movies. You got your, we talk about elevated horror 
in the fifth one, but we don't really explore that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, where's the hereditary, it follows, Midsommar, like this art house whore, like craze that's kind of happening now. Like, where? how are we weaving that into a new, you know what I mean? Like, that's it did the indie horror or something like that. Yeah, right? just something a little, a little different, you know, in that way would be interesting to explore. But, you know, if we're getting it already, then maybe they, hopefully they already had something to do. For this last uh, one, like a strong idea, they've already mentioned this is their last one to do. Oh, wait, oh, so really? Radio, no, really? radio silence, so they were only doing three, you know, like so. That's that's why I'm like, oh, oh, oh so, so that means seven, seven okay. will be the last one. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. So sorry. the next yeah, one, seven, okay. they said they're only doing three films, okay, so gotcha. they've already said that they already have a trajectory. So I'm like, I'm just hoping that they have. I'm hoping that does that include or not include Nev? Does that matter now? Well, they do have to. I do get the sense that they're going to pay off this Melissa Barrera, uh, Billy Loomis granddaughter or daughter, mm. whatever uh, serial killer thing, you know? I'm going to say one thing, and I hope it doesn't happen, but it, it could. But if they're going with following the same endings, I'm not saying they should do that because I was, I'm critical of this one um, ending. Um, Someone mentioned like if Jenna Ortega became <laughs> became Ghostface, then we would be following the Scream Three ending where the half sibling, you know, of the lead main character, I don't know what her motive would be, then we would be following the trajectory of that. That was one of the weird theories that came up. It won't happen, but I'm just saying. Like, I mean, the thing is, Jenny Ortega's character has been sort of position in a way that there's still a ton we don't know about her so yeah. Yeah. you know yeah. i don't think yeah. it's other realm of possibility speaking of fan theories i saw a fun one where it would follow scream 3 in the hollywood setting and mm-hmm. it would take one of gail's books and create a mini series a la scream on mtv and they would bring all the scream characters from mtv into oh uh, that'd be cool the scream oh, seven I, did, world. I, I, I hate watch those but i did yeah watch and so they would have <laughs> the scream series they would have all the actors from the scream series come and be in the movie but they would be playing actors on a mini series all based off one of gail's books i would love that that I, would yeah, be great I, so I, I thought that was really funny that's that's really cool. where i I thought I would take heat for it, but that's actually not bad because that's what I had written down was uh, some sort of mirror to Scream 3 in that playing into um, like the whole Hollywood side mm-hmm. of like Stab. Like, I don't know if it's making a movie, but like the miniseries. Making a play. They're in New York. Yeah. <laughs> making well, a Broadway yeah. play on Stab. Or, or like a true crime thing. Stab that's yeah. musical. True, yeah. true crime <laughs> is so big now, but like some sort of a, like seeing that like show within the show. Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing another one of those. Yeah. Now I, I'm kind of with you. I, I'm because I was leaning towards the idea that the next film, from the commentary perspective, I think this movie dabbled with it a little bit, and so did five. I think, um, which makes me think maybe seven's the one that just says, "Okay, we are specifically interrogating the air quote stab franchise, aka the Scream franchise." Like, because because these movies are tropey. We we renamed it. We have to. Oh, you always have an opening. You have always to have, got the rules. We always have the rules. And then there's always a killer reveal. Like at this point, there's enough of these that that's kind of its own formula that you could turn on its head. Yeah. Um, and I do think in some way, this Melissa Barrera storyline, especially with they, I didn't realize they'd said they were doing three. I feel like that means third one's definitely going to pay it off. She really liked that knife in this one. I just yeah. got to say, <laughs> yeah. so um, I don't know what they're going to do with it, but I think that's going to be a factor. And I think, that one way they do that is by taking us back to Hollywood again. 
Mm-hmm. And it's still riffing on the you know the Scream Three, but from a totally different perspective. Change the motive. Hopefully, mm-hmm. the motive. and the thing about Scream Three again, not trying to diminish anyone who enjoys it or likes it, but I did not. I, I thought that's what Scream Three was going to do to the first two films, and I didn't really think it did that very yeah. well. Yeah. So I think there's actually a ripe opportunity to revisit that with a new uh, set of eyes or direction. Um, I'm pretty hopeful. I do think it would be rad. If they did a mini series like an HBO or I guess it'd be Paramount Plus, like eight episode <laughs> screen miniseries, but obviously radically different than the MTV show, show yeah. you know, because yeah, yeah. I mean, that is they are all the rage right now. You can't get a movie made. Make a miniseries. Yeah, Just think I think there's something there. Yeah. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, we have talked for two hours about wow. Scream 6. Is there anything else you would like to add about this film before we wrap up our review? Uh, for me, just overall, I felt like the cinematography and filmmaking in this one was a big step up from yeah. the last one. Yeah. Um, you know, they, the directors had talked about how this was more in their style and the last one was supposed to be a tribute to Wes Craven. And it, I think it was, but I, I didn't necessarily feel like this one wasn't in the st- style of Wes Craven. It just, the last one felt safer to me and they felt more free in this one. Like felt like the camera was moving. We were doing a lot more interesting things. It looked a lot more interesting. It's a lot of, it, you know, it's funny that last one I feel like was shot. I think Zach actually, Zach Burns, uh, who talked to us about screen five last year was like, yeah, this is shot like a TV show. It's really weird. Lots of close-ups, not yeah, a lot of movement. Tight. Yeah. Very yeah. tight shots. Not a lot of movement with the camera. Yeah. I think it was a huge step up on this one for sure. For sure. Yeah. And just the overall sequences, convenience store, Gail's apartment, the yeah. ladder. I mean, it's just the subway scene. Yeah. Subway yeah. scene. Yeah, really well executed. It's tension, just the sure. construction of the tension and everything we were looking at was really strong for me. Way, way better than the previous one. Yeah. I, I 100% agree with that. Even when there's not a great screen movie made, it's still a pretty good screen movie. Yeah. 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 At the end of the day, we still have a spotless track record. I would watch yeah. it again and I yeah. would enjoy it. I would still be mad at the end and I would know it was coming, but I would have a lot of fun getting there. And for me, I'd yeah. actually say that I think that it's, I think that this one for me actually is Radio Silence's scream. Like it feels that way to me. I'm not saying they abandoned Wes's right. influences, but this is the first one that doesn't feel like it has necessarily Wes Craven's like immediate hands Stamp. and DNA. Yeah. It feels like, the, uh, fans that like Scream made a Scream movie, yep. you know, which is what some people were saying the last one was, but it was a tribute to Wes. So there were a lot more callbacks. So this one does feel loose and messy in certain ways, but in, in interesting ways. Some of its failures are interesting and, and some of its strengths are some of the peak best. Like some of the sequences in this are like for me, top tier of the franchise. Like oh, certain yeah. set pieces here are better than some of any of them in the movie, in the whole series. Definitely. Hands down. All right. Well, gentlemen, this has been so much fun. Uh, firstly, just want to reiterate, uh, thank you uh, to Laron, Chris, Brock for taking some time. We're recording this on a Friday evening. In fact, St. Patty's Day. It's a very sacred day here in the United States celebrating St. Patrick's Day. And I wore pink. <laughs> yeah, you're so. the only one who's not... Dude, you. what's funny is I put on a pink long sleeve and I was like, oh shit, it's uh, St. Patrick's Day. So I changed. We would have matched. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so listeners, obviously we're recording this on St. Patrick's Day. But gentlemen, thank you for taking time out of your Friday evening to talk about Scream 6. It's been a real pleasure. Um, we'll go around the table starting with you, Brock. Where can people keep up with you and all the cool things you're doing? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Brock Lay Design. And then from there, there is a link to the Behance page with more design work. Awesome. Chris McIntosh. It's Chris Oz Macintosh. Answer to both. All right. Well, mm-hmm. sir, hey, 
It's been first time guest on the show. Thank you so much for for joining us. It's been a blast having you on, sir. Yeah, dude, it's a lot of fun. Where Glad can people here. follow you online? Uh, Instagram at Chris Oz McIntosh or my website chrisozmacintosh.com. You have a short in the in the. In the I works. do. Yeah, working on a film called Flint. Uh, I don't want to say too much about it, but we had a really strong cast, really really great crew. Uh, in fact, Zachary Burns, who you mentioned, was stills and DIT on that, and Jacob Burns was our was our DP and uh, yeah, it's going to be really, really cool. So awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Flint. Check that out. All right. Listeners, check that out. Follow Chris on Instagram for more. LeBron Chapman. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook under my name, or you can follow me as Mindy uh, Meek says, um, a whiny letterbox, a film <laughs> reviewer <laughs> on letterbox at black underscore Cinna underscore man. Yes. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at C Masters Talk. That's letter C Masters Talk. Uh, you know, doing all of the the whiny movie reviews. <laughs> um, didn't have time to talk about it today, but I did um, poke my head down at South by Southwest for work, but not the film work, unfortunately. But I did catch two movies: um, uh, Self Reliance, uh, Jake Johnson's directorial debut, and then uh, Disturbance in the Forest, which is a documentary about the making of the Star Wars Christmas special. I was. Surprised to find that they hadn't made that documentary yet, and it was super fun. Anyway, you can find my thoughts on that, uh, both of those on letterbox.com. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We'll catch you again next time when we discuss what is being called the height of action cinema filmmaking, John Wick Chapter 4.